0: Hmm? Ah! Oh. Name's Flag. Two jeans. Pleased to meet you. Likewise. It occurs to me before I open this door and we go looking for dinner that there's a couple of things we ought to get straight between us. Sure. You're a beautiful fella. I'm gonna make you my right hand man, Lloyd. You'll be St. Peter at the Birmingham Gates. Huh? How about that one? <sighs> I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd like to get even with the people who left you in error. Yeah. yeah. And not just them, but anybody who would do a thing like that. The kind of people who look at a man like you. It's, it's garbage. Yeah. I ain't fucking garbage. You're not garbage, Lord. I ain't fucking garbage. We're going to go far. It's a good time for people like us. Yeah. Everything's starting up. Now all I need is your word. All wait, is wait. What, what, what? All I need is what? What? Your word. Now you'll be loyal. No questioning orders. No. Did I. No falling asleep on guard duty. Now you give me your promise, and I'll give you the key. I promise you.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. I'm Ben. And I'm Paik. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the CBS All Access miniseries, The Stand. This week,
2: we are covering episode two Pocket Savior. Right.
3: I'm excited
1: about this one. So, welcome back, Pake. Good to have you Yay. along with us this episode.
3: I'm happy to be back.
1: Sweet. I'm I'm so excited. You agreed to to join us for some of these because I know you were really yes. looking forward to this series, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. How does it feel to be a stranger on your own podcast? <laughs> I know, right gone for two weeks <laughs> and I'm already like oh it's a new world now <laughs> or, or a guest on your own podcast not a stranger <laughs> 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 no, I love it I'm glad to be back but I also like the
3: kind of, the weeks off too it's nice I mean yeah. I don't really get a week I'm- off I still have run for your lives I'm doing it every week but
1: <laughs> right. But it's, it's nice to have a little bit of extra free time, right? Yeah. Just a, You know, a little, cause you know, before you know it, we'll be back at it. So, and, and no more yeah. breaks. So, so yeah, it's always good to, you know, you, you always think, well, I don't, I don't want to take a break, but then as soon as you get one, you're kind of, you're, you're kind of grateful to have just like a little bit of breathing time. Cause yes. It takes a lot of time to do this. So, so you've been, so you've seen the first episode, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So what are your general thoughts Um, about the series so far what are you thinking about the first Um, couple of episodes without going too far into your details
3: i personally really enjoy it um you know i've listened to you guys cover you know the miniseries the original like 94 miniseries Mm -hmm. and then last week's episode i've been listening and so i know what you guys have been saying and stuff and then so I know what's out there. I've gotten like, you know, my feelers out in the pop culture world and news articles mm-hmm. and this and that. And so I do understand a lot of frustration with this series right now, mainly based on like it's nonlinear storytelling and kind of some of the things that it's doing in it's you know, the way that they're portraying the story. But I personally don't have a problem with that. I think it's because I've seen the original the, the 94 miniseries that I know the story. And so it makes it easier to follow. Right. I Have an understanding of if this was the first time anybody had had any experience with anything, the stand, I can see how they could be confused, especially the first episode. At this point, I think you get used to what they're doing with bouncing back and forth in this episode that I don't think it should have been that hard to follow in the second episode. But I'm not going to speak for everybody else because I also do, like I said, know the story already. So it's easier for me to pick up on track of what's going on.
1: Right, uh,
2: Pink. I have to ask too because I don't know if you've brought this up yet or not. But similar, similarly to Rima and I, um, I think I know the answer to this question. But have you read the book or no? I have not. Okay. No,
3: I'm also I'm with you guys on that. I still haven't. I haven't read the book either.
4: We're so all, we're all going is, to be tasked. Yeah, with
3: yeah. That the series. <laughs> yeah. I love Stephen King, but like you guys have said, like that one is a daunting one, like for sure.
2: It's intimidating. <sighs> it's. Mm-hmm.
1: I know, and I and I feel dumb because so many Stephen King books are. I mean, we read The Dark Tower for crying out loud, um, and we waited how many years for that to be finished? Um, so all it, four, it feels,
2: all four novels. <laughs> <laughs> all four of <man. laughs> Meanwhile, Greg's <laughs> head is exploding.
1: <laughs> I know, I know him and him and everyone else out there. I know Greg. We'll, we'll tease Greg about that. He gave us some crap after. <laughs> <laughs> you Nobody know, listened to
4: us last week.
1: That's, that's, uh, yeah, I know. That was, that was on us for sure. Um, but yeah, and I mean, so many of other King's novels are pretty well known to be, you know, very lengthy. Yeah. Um, and and so I feel, you know, kind of lame for saying that, but it's true. It, you know, it really is, you know, kind of depending on where you're at and how much time you might have to dedicate to a, a book. And then you look at that one, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, um, that's definitely been my main reason, not because I don't love King, and clearly there's a lot of love for this novel, man. I mean, because yeah. people are, you know, uh, the a lot of the people that have read the book and are dedicated book readers are not real thrilled. At least some of them, when I'm reading, maybe I haven't heard, heard all opinions, but you know, yeah. are kind of upset about some of the things that are missing, you know, um, from from the novel. Um, so clearly there's a lot of love yeah. for, for the novel. So. And,
2: and I'm someone like I will I will read – I'll do a deep dive into book comparisons to show comparisons after I watch the episode as yeah. part of my research for doing you know this, this show every week and breaking it down. And in doing that, you read a lot of comments and you lead around, uh, lead, read a lot of reviews, and you're right. If there's even one – difference from the book to the novel there are some people out there or from the book to the show there yeah. are some people out there that flip shit mm-hmm. because yeah. it's just the
3: slightest little change <laughs> earlier today i saw some i saw somebody online up in arms ready to go to war over the oh, fact boy. that they changed the Lincoln Tunnel to a sewer system.
1: Well, <laughs> well there's a lot of a lot of talk about that. Yeah. To
2: be fair, everything I've read online, because that is in my notes. Um, you know, one of the things we mentioned last week was them changing, um, you know, the Mother Abigail's location from Nebraska to Colorado. This mm-hmm. week, the big change is the Lincoln Tunnel got changed from the sewers to the and to the sewers in George Washington bridge. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, everything I've read about that change and why so many people might be upset by it is because mm-hmm. of the fact that if you ask anybody who's read that novel, what their favorite scene from that novel is, uh-huh. almost every single person will put that in their top five. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot
0: yep. more
3: to it that they yes. just
2: completely like edited.
0: It's not just location yes.
2: change or
3: scenery. It's, there's a lot more to the story that was meant mm-hmm. there. So
2: but yeah, I, I have I, I actually have an article that I'm, I'm gonna bring up later on in the conversation when we talk about cool. that that explains why the producers actually went the route that they ran they went mm-hmm. with this episode rather than using the Lincoln Tunnel. And when you mm. read their explanation as to why they did it, it wasn't just something they did to just make a random change because they wanted to. There's a right. lot of thought and the reasoning behind it makes a lot of sense.
1: I agree. I, I, I think I read something similar. I don't know if it was the same thing, but I read something similar. Uh, okay. So, so cool. I, and I, and I agree with that. I agree with what they said. Yeah. So,
0: cool. I, I am, get
1: it. As long, I get it. along
3: with hopefully a lot of listeners, excited to hear that. Entry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's, I, I'm glad that you're enjoying it so far. Um, you know, but it's okay if, if there's some grumps with it too. We're, we always don't have to agree or anything. But I'm excited to talk to you guys about um, this episode. You know, we got some new characters and stuff and some some new things happening here and it's kind of moving the story forward. So, with that being said, um, Paik, I would love it if you would lead us off with your number three this week.
3: All right. And I think I will start off with a character that is new to me because I haven't read the book. This is because (laughs) she was not in the 1994 (laughs) miniseries. Right. And that is us getting to meet Rita Blakemore.
2: Yeah. Sure. I thought you were going to bring up the rat outside of Lloyd's cell, but okay. (laughs) Uh,
3: That's my number two, Ben.
2: Come on. (laughs) All right.
1: Sorry. Saving him for later. (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: but yeah, it was, it was cool because again, we talked about, you know, we've been slacking as Stephen King fans and have not read the book, but there was this difference because the, the 94 miniseries, Seem to have combined the characters of Rita and Nadine, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of worried about that. Even though I knew Rita was in this one, you know, we got this is a different point that we'll talk about later. But you know, we pick up, we see Nadine with with Joe and Larry, and I was like, well, then where is this Rita character going to fit in if they're already? But then you're, you know, again with Mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth. So we do see that Larry meets Rita at at the park. I guess would have been Central Park, any park in New York, but think so it was it um, was central yep. park it was yeah. central yes. yep
1: been there gorgeous
3: yeah he kind of goes on a little drug bench over the night which is hey after what he's been through go for it
0: why but not
3: wakes up on this yeah. park bench and he's meeting some interesting characters here in this park first is uh, a <laughs>
2: the yankee yanker
3: uh, the yankee yanker is what rita calls him <laughs> yeah but a uh, stadium guy with his chips and his hospital gown and that's it um <laughs>
1: Yeah, yep. he wasn't afraid of flaunting.
3: <laughs> it was interesting. But yeah, after that little encounter, then he walks over to this like fountain area and meets Rita. And she's sitting there. And She's she's an interesting character because she's a little aloof, a little different. She's got her husband, I assume late husband or ex-husband, or she doesn't really expound on it, but got her husband's gun. And she's just like, let me see if I can shoot this birdhouse. And she's, she's a very unique character. You're kind of, you're with Larry in that moment. Like, is this somebody that I can trust? Is she just a little off her rocker, just like the guy that I just met? Or yeah. is she just traumatized like everybody else and just doing her best to cope and put on a straight face? And I guess he does choose to trust her in that way that as they're making their you know, um, you know, talking to each other and saying, you know, who they are, and she doesn't recognize who he is, so isn't that such a cool thing? I wish I could do that. Like, oh, you don't know who I am? Here. <laughs> no, but- <laughs> takes her to his
1: let me let me show you the billboard, <laughs> billboard no, for not. his his
3: album that was releasing and that's where right. we kind of meet him is of course you know his album release party and stuff but she's mm-hmm. you know he's showing that and she seems genuinely impressed with it she's like oh that's cool and then takes him back to her place for dinner and then Dessert,
2: quote unquote, <laughs> maybe you want to call it that. Uh, <laughs> Shaking my head does not do well on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it
3: I like I like <laughs> the character because it you, you. The whole episode, you're trying to figure out exactly who she is and where she is mentally. Not really like that, but just like you know how she's dealing with things and mm-hmm. kind of her headspace that she's in. To where they have this encounter with. These Just creeps out there with guns and a million dollars in a briefcase or suitcase,
1: oh yeah, no it's kidding
2: it's like a deadly indecent proposal yeah
1: that that's where I went with it, I was like, this is like a decent proposal <laughs> in the in the apocalypse yeah and and really what the hell does a million dollars mean right now exactly that's and like, I think
3: what? yeah it's just it's something that's like you're like I say animal brain, but animals don't have that it's a human thing, but there's you know just like this human thing that we've been bred into like oh money gimme gimme and right. so they're using it as a tactic because I am 100% certain if they wouldn't have run away from them if he would have gone with their plan they would have just killed Larry kept the money for themselves and used it to do it again to somebody else like
2: Oh they, abso- they absolutely yeah. would have I mean when they're running <laughs> after them it, it's important to note that the one guy that offered up the money that's what he's carrying while the other two are running with guns. Yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that money was just as much a weapon as those two guns were. Definitely. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. It's,
2: that's the bait for the trap.
3: Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. Because he, he looked friendly and affable. I mean, hey, he's got his, he's still got his nice suit on. And he's like, hey, I'm just, I'm a straight up guy, you know. Yeah. A- until, of course, he he tells him his intentions. I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised at how quickly. You know, they were like, you know, well, I'll give you a million dollars for 15 minutes with her, uh-huh. which I was just like, oh, boy, this 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 does not go well. No. It, it really made me think of how uh, precarious uh, it, it would be to be. Um, I mean, anytime I feel like you're alone and you're in this situation and there's only a, a you know, uh, you know, 99 percent of the population has been obliterated because of this bug. And clearly there were no favorites uh, that were saved uh or that were considered immune because you've got this this guy who the, the Yankee Yanker, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's an interesting dude. And then you've got these guys that survived and were immune and they they definitely took a turn for the worse. So they you know, not everyone that was saved were, were good guys, no, really. Or
3: random. you know, or maybe <laughs> they were
1: Maybe they were on the edge because I feel like Larry was a little bit on the edge, right? He wasn't really good or bad. I think he could have went either way Yeah, a little bit. And Maybe these guys were about the same. They were maybe, you know, not evil guys, but, you know, they, they're, they you know, um, sharks in the business world before the apocalypse and they, they're taking opportunities and, you know, they went the other way. But, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think it would be a, a pretty, you know, especially speaking from a, a woman's perspective, you know, traveling alone and, you know defending yourself and how do you how do you you know get get out of these kinds of situations or deal with those situations um yeah. you know if something like that were were to happen which ties back
3: really well i think to again the next point with rita is then seeing where she's at is her decision to leave the sewer system with larry mm-hmm. because she's like already fed up with crawling through shit and dealing with rats and she's like this isn't worth it i'm gonna i, I can make my way up there Leaves Larry through there. And then, you know, we don't see what happens to her. We don't see how that goes, except for that when he finally gets out himself or, you know, she saves him from there. And she's like, you know, you said to go north, so I did. Like, I I made it, I'm fine. But, you know, so Mm -hmm. she, she is capable. She's very capable on her own, which then makes it much more sad. You know, I said, I'm really sad about her at the end. We don't see anything happen, so we may see more of her. But, you know, it does seem that she's kind of, prepared to end it all. I mean, she's taking pills and drinking them down, and who knows how much she's had at that point, but it's you know, she's not willing to survive for this world and what it's become.
2: And it's, it's going to be interesting too, because some of the things that you're mentioning about Rita's character when you compare it to the novel, which, again, I know none of us are readers of the yeah. novel, so people <laughs> hear me say, well, compared to the novel, look, I did my research, okay? I looked into it. Um, you know, com- her, comparing her character, she is much more timid in the novel, she mm-hmm. isn't as nearly and strong as capable as she seems, yeah. or they make her seem in this episode. Interesting. So um, and one of the other things, too, is that I'm really curious where they're going to take it. And I'm wondering if it means they're going to change her character or they just haven't shown us it yet. Is Peik, as you mentioned, that scene at the end where she's mm-hmm. taking the pills and she's drinking down the alcohol in the novel, she does, in fact, use that to commit suicide. Yeah. She does not wake up from that. Um she ends up Larry ends up waking up with her dead body next to him. Mm-hmm. So Ugh. I'm curious as to whether or not they're gonna give us more Rita, as in they're gonna write a little bit more for her character and it her her impendent doom is gonna come later. Yeah, because we know she doesn't if, make it to Boulder. But. Yeah, because what mm-hmm. we've seen already, we know she doesn't make it to Boulder Free Zone. So right. are they gonna give us a little bit more and have her death come later, or is the next time we see Larry going to be him waking up next Mm -hmm. to her from that choice that she made
3: yeah and i easily think it could be either one we'll have to see what happens but
2: because we do know when he arrives in boulder he's with nadine yeah but when we last see him in new york he's with rita Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more in the middle there that has to be connected yes plus you know when he has that conversation with harold about following his signs he hasn't even come across any of them yet Mm-hmm. so there is a lot more in the middle for larry that we have yet to get yes
1: yeah I, and i think we'll get there um because we still you know we were introduced to nadine which i won't go too much into her her character to check so i'm sure we'll talk about her more but you know we're introduced to her and and you know we're kind of midway into either midway or almost at the end of their journey to uh boulder so we haven't Yet seeing how they met and stuff so I feel Like we're gonna when we go back and get that Backstory from Nadine maybe we'll get some more You know we're gonna see how her and Larry meet up And get more of her story and learn a little bit More about her and when they meet up and maybe we'll get You know either more of uh, Maybe a little bit more of Rita or at least More of maybe what happened or something And kind of get a little bit more you know so You know I feel like with the way that they're playing with time A little bit we, we might get more of that
2: Yeah 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 exactly All right
1: Cool that's a good number three Uh, Ben, you want to give us your number three?
2: So, you know what? We talked about it a little bit already, and we might as well dive into it a little bit more. Um, My number three is actually swapping the Lincoln Tunnel with the sewers and the George Washington Bridge.
1: All right, let's talk about it.
2: Um, So, I mean, yes. When you look at that scene from the novel, it is basically Larry and Rita traveling through the Lincoln Lincoln Tunnel in pitch-black darkness. Right there you kind of have to assume, okay, how do you transcribe this scene to television? Yeah. Because right. you are in complete darkness. Now, the 94 miniseries was able to do it with using car headlights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was their way of telling it, because they didn't film in the actual Lincoln Tunnel. They filmed in a tunnel in Pittsburgh. Um, but when you figure all you're using is headlights, you could film anywhere and make it yeah. seem like you're in the Lincoln Tunnel.
1: Exactly.
2: I personally didn't find, and again, this might be because I didn't read the novel and I didn't read that scene. I I didn't find it that big of a deal that they changed this. Yeah, um, You were able to see more of what Larry was going through. Granted, he made the journey by himself rather than with Rita like he did in the novel. But, um, you know, I referenced that article earlier about why they did this. And it makes sense. And um, I'll read you some of the article here. It says, Speaking with Yahoo Entertainment, uh, Benjamin Cavill and Taylor Elmore, the two executive producers, confirmed that the Lincoln Tunnel remained Larry's exit strategy in early versions of their adaptation. During the development process, though, the logistics of accomplishing that sequence as King wrote it proved too daunting. More crucially, the creative team made an effective and executive decision about the overall tone of the show that demanded closing off the Lincoln Tunnel as an escape. We wanted to tell this story in a really grounded way. Cavill explains the challenge we set for ourselves was really be a faithful was really be a faithful to the soul of this iconic book, but ground it in 2020 reality and have people make logical character based decisions uh, with that. mission, And this is where it makes sense. With that mission statement in mind, the writers decided that sending Larry and Rita into a dark, corpse-filled tunnel was the opposite of a logical decision. (laughs) Just putting ourselves in a chaotic New York where it's hard to get out of the city and ways are blocked, why in God's name would you go into the Lincoln Tunnel to get out? There are bridges out of New York. Don't go in the dark where you know there are no lights. And that (laughs) makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah. Exactly, I I read that exact same thing. Okay. So whenever I I, I saw that, I, I thought the same thing. I thought if if it's me and I'm in New York and I don't know how long um I, I've I don't think I've been through the Lincoln Tunnel. I went um there was a different tunnel that I went to. Darn it, what's it called? The is it the Hudson? No, not the Hudson. Um, it start, I think it starts with an H. I've only been through there once when I was driving back home from New York after taking my kid to college. Um, oh God, that ages me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I, even if it, I, I don't know how long the, the tunnel is, but even just a very short. The tunnel, Holland I mean, tunnel. Holland, thank yes. you very much. <laughs> um, I, I can't imagine if if that's me, and like you said, the you know there's no electricity. There's probably just dead bodies everywhere. I would much rather stay in the daylight than, Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it just makes more sense if you can't see, and you don't know what's going to be when you start getting through there and in your complete darkness, you know, what's going to be in the middle, what's going to be in the end. Are you going to even be able to get through? You don't know what it looks like or what could have happened. There could have been an accident or something, cars piled up or just something preventing you. And then what, you got to turn all the way back around and go through that shit again. You know, at least if you're on a bridge and you've got daylight, you can see what's ahead of you um it just you know that that makes perfect sense to me i cannot imagine the world with 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 the with the options for bridges and such that you have why the hell would you go into a, a, a you know tunnel in in the complete dark with yeah. not knowing what's what's there. Yeah.
2: Look, there are times I don't even like going down into my basement with no lights on. <laughs> yes. I I am not going to go through the Lincoln Tunnel in pitch black darkness yep. in the middle of a pandemic where 99.3% of the population has died from it. <laughs> exactly. You know, especially after like r- running into these guys yeah. that want to kill me for the woman
3: that I, I was just about to say that like they just are on the heels of that experience. Don't go somewhere where now you can't even see who's coming for you.
2: And that was in the daylight. (laughs) And you expect me to want to go into a dark tunnel? Like, no, that's not happening. So the decision to change it, to keep it modern, and to make it more logical, I understand is a big departure from the novel. But it makes total sense to me why they did it.
1: Yeah. I would have made the same decision. and and. I, I get it. I know people are really upset because apparently in the book, this was one of the like scariest parts of the book. And again, I haven't read it, so I, I can't say that for myself. But they said that you know out of everything in the book, this was the scariest, uh, most detailed um, experience and what really stood out for a lot of the book readers. So I get it. You know, Look, I, I'm a fan of many, many books. And when they decide to make that book into a movie or, or a TV show or series or something... Uh, you're hardcore man you, you want certain things on mm-hmm, the screen mm-hmm. and you want them done really well and it doesn't come to fruition and you're really bummed out I, I totally get that I'm um, not, not knocking anyone for being upset about it but for me it it makes sense and, and, and I'm okay with it maybe I'll feel differently once I read the book I don't know <laughs> maybe I'll yeah. be like damn it they should have found a way to do that yeah, because I'm wondering I don't know it just doesn't make
3: sense <laughs> what is it in the book that makes that so I mean is it is it Hallucinations and stuff that Larry's having because they played into that. If that's what it is, the best they could. I think but. it's.
2: I think it's just more anticipation. Mm-hmm. It's nervous anticipation into that scene in the fact that, you know, as a reader, just like Larry and Rita, you have no idea what they're going through, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you get anxious. And when you're reading a book, anxiety builds into enjoyment of of reading a book. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you know, why I read horror me, novels? Yeah, It's <laughs> yeah. Is the mm-hmm. anticipation? Me, yeah. you know. T- To incorporate that into the television show and make it seem illogical that they would go into a dark tunnel when they can take a bridge is the equivalent of a bunch of teenagers running from a murderer and running into the shed full of chainsaws. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's that level of of illogical. Yeah. Like you're you're not gonna if you're in that situation you're not gonna do that.
1: Yeah, so. I I don't want to go into anything dark. I don't like. I have <laughs> nightlights everywhere. I sleep with the TV on. I I'm not going, <laughs> I'm not going in a deep dark tunnel. <laughs> if that's my way out, so. So, i wouldn't be getting on on a boat to get across the river i wouldn't be going underground in a tunnel i didn't want to go i didn't want to drive under that tunnel but that's that's kind of where it led me so I, um, it,
2: it's so funny because i don't know if you've ever seen this is totally off the topic of the stand, but you know along the same situation where you know people who are afraid to take tunnels, even when tunnels are lit up and and working properly i 'm that asshole that if you 've ever seen the movie like there's a movie out there called Daylight with Sylvester Stallone yep where I love you know. It. There's an explosion that happens in the Lincoln Tunnel, mm-hmm. and it might be the Holland Tunnel, actually. I don't remember which tunnel it is, but it's one of those two tunnels, and it seals off both ends, and they're trapped inside. I'm the asshole that when you're on a bus full of college students driving in the tunnel, <laughs> I'm the one that stands up and says, Hey, anybody ever seen Daylight? Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. like, We don't need that reminder.
2: <laughs> we, we already have that irrational fear of tunnels, mm-hmm. even when they're still completely lit. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're totally. working and, and you're, and they're working properly. So why in the world would we go against that fear of them and go into a tunnel that's pitch black? Yeah. I get it was part of Stephen King's writing and I, and I understand that, but to make it more logical and modernized. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the fact that they changed. Yeah. It. I agree. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I think, I don't know the, the, the option to switch it to them going into the sewers, uh, I think that part was a little bit longer, at least after Rita had left and and Larry continued on. That part was maybe a little bit longer than what it needed to be. They probably could have shortened it just a little bit and it's still been done well. But for me, that was scary too. I mean, I don't want to be down. All I could think of was it. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
4: like, freaking well, yeah, Pennywise.
1: i I'm had to see a red balloon floating around.
2: I had the same inclination as I was watching that scene. We, You know, we had talked about, when we talked about the 94 miniseries, we made the comparisons to Randall Flagg and how mm-hmm. he is, in essence, related to Pennywise in some yeah. ways. And now, yes. all of a sudden, we get this big relative scene that you can compare it to Stephen King's It mm-hmm. with, not only with traveling through the sewer, but with hallucinations of people who have... Yes. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of in the newer It where the, yeah. the bully
3: played by Owen Teague, who plays Harold here, mm-hmm. is, like, mm-hmm. got his little lighter and, you know, homemade flamethrower thing to look, you know, as he's going through the sewers as he gets lured in.
2: So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and, yeah. and in my opinion, the sewer scene worked because you're, you, you're actually swapping fears at that point. You're swapping the fear of the dark for a fear of claustrophobia and shit. Mm-hmm
1: yeah crawling through shit literally
2: in a in a small enclosed space so the sewer worked because it's trading it's not just completely eliminating the fear it's more just swapping one fear for another yeah
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and that's why i think it worked definitely
1: I mean, it, it worked for me. I think, like I said, part of it was a little bit too long, but it worked for me because I thought, man, I don't want to go crawling in those sewers mm-hmm. either, you know. And then as he, it, as the water starts to get deeper and deeper for him, as he's continuing to go and he's having to put his like bag up on his head, I'm thinking, no freaking way, because I'm scared of water too, you know. And I'm like, I don't want to freaking drown in a river of shit either, yeah. you know. I don't want to be in a sewer. I don't know what the hell's down there. Um, the, well, the rats were everywhere, and rats typically. You know, I've been in New York many times. I've seen plenty of rats and, you know, they don't bother me. But if they're all over the place like they were, you know, surrounding, you know, surrounding Rita like that. And, and you know, they're probably hungry um, because, you know, well, I don't know if they went and fed on any dead bodies yet. But, you know, they're. You know, how they swarmed her. I mean, that does not sound fun for me. So that, to me, was equally terrifying. And I definitely would have been Rita (laughs) climbing my ass up the manhole and said, I will deal with those fuckers up there before I deal with whatever the hell's in this sewer. At least up there, they're alive. um, And I can see you know, versus whatever the hell's gonna be happening down here. So Rats in New York City can find and drag pizza. So
2: I (laughs) wanna know what they can do when they're (laughs) actually hungry and not finding food. Exactly. (laughs) So but that was my that was my number three was I wanted to dive into that whole switch of the the tunnel for the for the bridge yeah
1: cool. i'm glad you did because it's it was a big point of contention for a lot of people and i and i like I said i get it not to knock anyone that that has those feelings but i think it worked um and i'm and i'm okay mm-hmm. with it so yeah i think me it was too. good
4: me as well
1: did you feel that way too picky did you feel like I it did. translated well for you too
3: yeah it, that scene like you said worked really well for me for what they were trying to portray so nice good yeah. good so good, what about good.
2: rima you're number three
1: well, my number three. We've we've talked about him some, but I like that we get introduced to Larry Underwood uh, this week. I I found him to be an interesting character, and mostly um, just because I, I feel like he's you know he's not so straightforward. You know, no. he's he's complicated. Yeah. You know, and trying to kind of figure him out a little bit. You know, we when we meet him, uh, you know he he seems to be on his way up to making it big. Uh, but the, the plague just happens, you know, and people are starting to, to kind of die out. So th- it's not quite happening like he, he thought that it would. And he doesn't seem to be a super nice guy. Uh, he, <laughs> you know, he's, um, you know, kind of fighting with a former roommate, bandmate of his. Uh, you can tell he's, you know, hooked on hooked on drugs and that could be, pro- you know, part of, of, you know, contributing to to you know his attitude or his personality a little bit maybe um but you know he wakes up to this girl that he doesn't know and you know she's kind of like you know hey can i get your number and he's kind of like you know and she's like you know (laughs) i mean you freaking jerk it's fine but just say you know what i I think we're good it's been great you know but you know I, i think i'm good you know he he was kind of a little bit of a jerk about it um yeah And then I will say
3: the musician in me does really appreciate the fact that he was doing his like album release show, like a small bar that he probably grew up, like got, you know, played a lot when he was on his way up and he was, you know, a lot of fans that he had stuck to. He sticks to his roots. I do. The musician part of me, I like
2: that, but, but him as a person, I don't think that was the case though. Because he looks out and he sees the audience is very sparse because of everybody being sick. Well, because of the sickness. But and, still, I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like it's a place he's played a bunch. But I think it was supposed to be a much bigger show. Oh, definitely. So I don't, I don't think be, yeah. that was him doing the whole going back <laughs> to my roots thing. I think that was basically like he, his rise to fame is halted now. Yeah. That show was supposed to be a lot bigger, especially considering he was supposed to have a full band behind him. The place was yeah. supposed to be packed. I don't think that was that wasn't just a little dinky <laughs> bar show. That was supposed to be a full on show.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Um, but, you know, and and then also kind of talking about some of, of who he is, you know, clearly he does have love for his mom. Uh, so he does, you know, try to be there for her. But then later when he's with Rita and we, we talked about when they were in the sewer and when she was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. And he's just like. Well, okay, you can keep going. I'm I'm not going up there. I'm gonna keep going here. And she's just like, You're not gonna go with me? And he's like, No. And it's like, wow, you know It's (laughs) just like he I, I couldn't believe how okay he was with it. You know, I mean, while he wasn't as much of a threat to Rita as those those guys were that were offering the the money, you know, for some time with her, he he was still fairly laid back about like just letting her go and not really saying no it's not a great idea you should you should stay with me where you're going to be safe and you know he was just kind of like okay fine just go and he was actually almost relieved it seemed you know and so I don't know. that It was just like he's he's not evil, but he's selfish. He seems a little narcissistic. Yeah. You know, he's kind of somewhere between good and evil. He's talented, but he's reckless. You know, yeah. um, there's all these different different sides of him. And, you know, he's having the the visions of uh, Randall Flagg as much as what he is of, um, mm-hmm. you know, mother, mother Abigail, which I think a lot of them are. I think a lot of them are kind of having visions of both. Um, we know Nadine is not, but... I think a lot of them were seeing both because we know that Stu did as well. Um, so, well, I know he at least saw the wolf. I don't know if you really saw Randall flag, but you know, yeah. the wolf kind of comes through um, uh, for Randall. He kind of, um, he can make the wolf do things really. I don't think he's transforming into the wolf so much, but he can kind of make him do what he wants. So I think he, he kind of saw both too. So I just thought he was an interesting character um, to be introduced to. I thought that the actor did a pretty good job. Um, with him,
2: yeah, I agree with that mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think I think he did a really good job. I was really hoping to get him to sing, yeah,
2: yeah we didn't get any baby. Can you dig your man this? I know episode. it almost started, I which
3: I love that line that he when he started up he goes. Well, here's how baby, can you dig your man sounded before it was used to sell fucking cologne. Yeah. <laughs> it's a By great line, but it also tips you into like, yeah, his like commercial success that he's been building. By
2: mm-hmm. the way, speaking of, you know, when you mentioned that line, when he says, you know, fucking cologne, the word fuck is used about 75 times in this episode. It They're sure is. all from Larry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they are all from Larry.
1: <laughs> he, nice. they are dropping a lot of F-bombs in this one. Um, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. you know, what he? A lot of them were when he was in the sewer, and you know, I would have been doing the exact same thing. When I'm in a oh, situation yeah. like <laughs> that, when I'm like scared out of my mind, and I'm in a situation like that, I will, fuck, fuck,
3: fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, you yeah. know, like so half of guys, them were in that scene when he's getting the water's getting deeper, and he's going, fuck,
1: fuck, fuck. Drop this phone. <laughs> you know, that's that is my favorite curse word, and I will drop that all the time and all day when I'm in a situation similar to that. And and so yeah, I. I totally appreciated that. And could totally relate. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I I liked being introduced to Larry. It is kind of an interesting to see how he was before he gets to Boulder. And and I think that it's Rita, what happened with Rita um, that's kind of made him change a little bit because he definitely seems like a very different guy. Like he gets to Boulder and he doesn't quite, you know, he's like surprised to hear that mother Abigail says that he's chosen to be one of the leaders, you know, to mm-hmm. lead um, the free city of Boulder. And he's like, well, why me? You know? And they're like, well, it's, you know, not really asked a question. This is just kind of how it is not really to figure out the why. And he's like, you know, I just don't, you know, and I'm paraphrasing of course, but like, you know, he's like, I just don't really feel like I'm worthy for something like that. I was kind of the, the fuck up and kind of messed up everything that I touched. Yeah. And, you know, um, so it's kind of interesting to kind of see how um, or, Hopefully we'll get more of that. I think they're fine, trying to fast track. And that's another thing about this book is so, so many pages and it's so hard to to try and get all that build up the characters in that book into an what is it, nine hour miniseries. Yeah. You know, um, that's pretty difficult. So I feel like and that's that's I'm sure what a lot of people have issue with is that. Well, we don't get to see this and we don't get to see that. And they're trying to kind of fast track it a little bit. They're trying to get us there a little bit quicker. So if I had to guess, that's probably what happens is that whatever is that happened with Rita has kind of transformed his character to who we see when he gets to Boulder. Well, I I think there's a good instance
2: of that, too. I mean, because one of the notes that I have is actually hope versus hopeless. And mm-hmm. and we get that both with Wayne and with Rita. So Wayne is the the former roommate who apparently Larry took the hook from that he used in Baby Can I Dig Your Man. And then Rita, who we've already mentioned, is the person that he meets in New York. There are two very important scenes that show kind of like a big dynamic in Larry's character in that when when Larry comes back out to the car where Wayne is out standing in the rain dying, Wayne's last words to him is are, you're never going to be famous. But then you fast forward to a matter of a couple of days when he's with Rita, and Rita shows he shows Rita that billboard. Rita's words to her are, "You've conquered New York City. Mm-hmm. So that will probably compl- be up there forever now. Yeah, up <laughs> there like, yeah, like, <laughs> forever. Not only are you famous, you've won. Like mm-hmm. that's like you're going to be famous for a long time because that billboard is never going to come down. Right. It's just interesting to note that dynamic in those two characters. See Larry's life." In two completely different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So which I thought was, was a nice little dynamic when you when you heard both of those lines. But you're yeah. you're absolutely right. The the Larry that we get, you know, when we talked last week about why the nonlinear works for this show. If you were to just go in order the same way they did in the 94 miniseries, we would not get the amount of character development that we're getting right now because yeah. they would not have nearly enough time to do it. They couldn't exactly. get you to a
3: point where you liked Larry enough as a character if they tried to do it that way.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, it leads you to that, like, we see how Larry is at Boulder Free Zone as compared to Larry in New York City when he's a drug addict, he's drinking, he's, an, he's horrible to women. To the point now where he's with Nadine, he's with Joe, he's with all these other people, not only with them, but leading them to Boulder Free Zone. Mm -hmm. You know, he's become a leader somewhere in the middle, and it's that somewhere in the middle when we get to it, that's what keeps us interested enough to keep watching to find out what it is. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so I I like the nonlinear, and I like, I'm still digging the nonlinear aspect of the show, and I like how with Larry, we definitely got a more complex Larry than we did with the 94 miniseries. Yeah. We got introduced to a lot more characteristics of Larry. Some we like, some that we don't. But it's just going to be, it's going to be fun to follow along and figure out all that in between that, you know. Yeah, because even as somebody who,
3: yeah, as no, like I know the story from the, like the earlier miniseries, but because mm-hmm. it's, it's a fresh take on the story to do it this way. Like you said, like, there's still so many little things that will be surprising. Like, oh, well, now that they're doing it this way, I'm excited as a viewer to see how they get from point A to point B because you're not watching it that whole way. They're like, oh, we're going to jump around and we might get to see some unique angles on some of these things that we yeah. didn't get then.
1: Yep. And I and I feel yeah, – and again, I'm sure it's in the book. Um, so I'm sure everyone's just like, well, just read the book. But in the 94 <laughs> miniseries, uh, I don't know that I saw that so much with – uh That version of Larry in the 94 miniseries, you know, I mean, I feel like he was still kind of the same character where I thought, gosh, this guy's a bit of a jerk. I mean, he's not an evil asshole or anything, um, but he's he's a bit of a jerk and, you know, seems to be looking out for himself and cares more about himself maybe than other people. And then, you know, he gets to be different when he gets to boulder and when he's at boulder um you know he's definitely a leader and one of the main characters and i just i don't know if maybe i just missed that or something um but i don't know if i picked it up so much as i did with with um you know this this newer version kind of seeing that to 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 be completely
2: fair to larry (laughs) um if I, was in a, if I was a rock star or a musician and I met somebody in a club after I performed and I took her home and had a one night stand with her, um, if I woke up to that amount of snot on her face, I probably also would be getting dressed and leaving as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, to, to be fair. Uh, I
3: can't that just was to gross. say every time y'all keep saying to be fair, the letter Kenny fan in me just like. Don't even mention that Freaks show on out. this podcast. I, I know.
2: I hate <laughs> Every that show. time. Don't even
3: mention it. It's I a big know. thing. Every time sure they say like, it, they just go round table, to be fair. And that's all I can think
2: of when you say I it. don't get that reference. I never will get that
1: reference. <laughs> uh, I, I'm totally in the dark on this one. I have no idea you're what You're better shade. off. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well- yeah, that that was pretty gross. There there was definitely no shortage of snot. No. In in this episode. And I don't know if I saw it so much the previous episode. I mean, people were definitely, you know, hacking and coughing and sneezing and and looking kind of icky. You know, they they like like they just um they looked fatigued. They had like had dark circles under their eyes, like they could barely, you know, get around and some of them had like that neck thing happening but there, there was snot in this episode i don't know yes. if it's, you know what was going oh, on here but yeah. you know never ever okay so so ben if you're the one that's like waking up to this uh you know unknown girl that you don't know her name um after one night stand in a bar Um, And you see her snotty nose and you're running for the hills. I don't blame you. But from my perspective, if I'm that girl with this guy and I've got that much snot running out of my nose, I'm not just going to like roll over all the snot on my nose and be like, can you give me a tissue, please? And it's like, you know, like uh, it's, it's hanging from her nose to like the pillow that she just rolled over from. I was like, girl, what are you thinking? (laughs) Use your sheet if you have to. You do not roll over to the guy that you just, you know, that you're trying to, you know, because you want to... You know, you still want to look high. You know, you want to be like, oh, yeah, I woke up like this, you know. And, you know, who, who rolls over with all that snot on your face? I mean, I if I was in Larry's position,
3: all. you know, if she rolls over. like, oh, God, I did not realize I was in a threesome with a snail. And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> where did he go?
2: It's <laughs> oh, no. literally a coyote ugly moment at that point where you're <laughs> chewing off your own arm to get the hell out of there as quickly as
1: possible. Yeah, but, I, I, I probably would have mm. ran too. Uh But it was slightly insensitive. It's slightly insensitive. Oh, it was absolutely (laughs)
2: insensitive. But, but I yeah, freely admit I will be that insensitive <laughs> if stuck in that moment.
1: Yeah, and you know what? If I roll over with that much snot on my face, I fully expect someone to be that insensitive. Because I'd be like, I'd run out the damn door too. But I'm like, I don't know anybody that would just be, it's one thing to be kind of open about like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I've got a runny nose. Can you hand me a tissue? But I mean, when you've got like, it looks like Slimer totally just like <laughs> over her face. <laughs> He's slimy.
2: Um, and I'll make, this, I'll make this, this next point quick too, because I, I just realized we're over 40 minutes in and we still haven't even gotten past our number ones yet. Um, we, have just we haven't gotten through number threes yet. <laughs> we have three people. Um, that's what I, know, I meant, yeah. But to your point about not having seen that in the first episode, when you look back and you think about episode one, we really didn't get all the in the middle with Captain Trips. We that's got true. That's people true. coughing because they were just catching it, and then we caught the, the end of it when people died. I mean, the mm-hmm. only aspect of it we got was dr willis and he still wasn't even completely past it yet so there was still more to come that's true i, I think we're going to see more and more of what mm-hmm. this captain trips does as yeah. this goes forward i mm-hmm. think
1: so too yeah this is their way of trying to give us a little bit of you know uh, a little bit of the beginning the middle and kind of the end there um, it, without being in a without being in the linear fashion. It, it's kind of the same way,
2: um, to make a comparison to The Walking Dead, how as seasons progress you see the zombies rot and rot more and more. Mm-hmm. They're going to give us a casual progression as to what it's like to actually suffer through this Captain Trips
4: mm-hmm. a
2: little bit more at a time. I think the Captain Trips might be the one thing that's actually linear in this series. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be interesting to watch that play out if that is the case.
3: Yeah. It's going to get um, gross. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> it, it probably will. Yeah.
1: If it gets any any more gross than the snot, I don't know. It, <laughs> um. <laughs> All right. Paik, what's your number two? All
3: right. My number two, I picked Randall Flagg and his presence that he's had on oh, this show in this episode. I hate you oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and That's we talked about it. My one. Yeah. Talked I'm going about to see it a little bit. It. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Um, mainly, you know, the first part. There's really two people that he really talks, about, you know, works with in this episode. And so the first one we talked a little bit was with Larry, as we see, like Rima mentioned earlier, that he is getting like these kind of visions or visits from both Abigail and from Flag when he's in his, in his dreams. And where is you know that dichotomy of maybe you know is Larry a good or bad guy? And so I had kind of the question, which you mentioned a little bit. I was like, how many other people are seeing both? Does it have to do with kind of where they are on like this good and bad spectrum or, you know, or are they both fighting for everybody? Cause yeah, you mentioned, you know, Stu saw the wolf, but that's it. But we clearly see flag in Larry's dream where he's tempting him with the, the Vegas sign with Larry Underwood on it and Mm
4: -hmm. all, you know,
3: the big money sign. And he's got this whole like, Which that was a really cool scene as quick as it was Big money sign and he's standing there Almost in this like Christ pose You know waiting
1: (laughs) And then he's gone in an instant Wasn't that the pose from Larry's Pocket Savior album cover Wasn't that What was on the order on the album cover That's a good catch (laughs) I think think he was in that almost like Uh Kind of crucifixion kind of pose And I think that's what Randall Fly You're probably right on
3: that and I like that
1: Yeah that's a good and, catch. Yeah. I didn't even catch <laughs> that. Well, I, I pay close attention.
3: Of course, of course. Yeah. But sure then also was. in the sewer, as I think, you know, because we see, you know, you first want to just pin it down to Larry, like hallucinating because he's in a small confined space. But it was the appearance of the crow at the end mm-hmm. that, of course, made me think of the 94 miniseries, because that's how he showed himself. That's how Flagg showed himself in that series. Most of the time was as a crow, whatever. Yeah. He wasn't himself. And that made me wonder, I was like, is like playing a part in this also? Is this him personally, like, purposely messing with Larry? And so I don't really have an answer for that, but it was something that I considered, definitely. For sure. But then, you know, the other person that he deals with in this episode is Floyd Henry while he's in prison there at the end. And just my notes that I have on him here is like, I really like the Skarsgård version of Flag. Mm-hmm. Not that the you know the original one wasn't good because it was, but I feel like Skarsgård's version somehow has more charm without it being too jokey.
5: To where yes. he's he's
3: not you know he's not being as humorous, but he still manages to have more charm to him. But at the same time, he has a very dangerous vibe. Absolutely. Like you can feel like both charm and danger emanating off of him. Where you're like. I want to like this guy, but I know it's a, it's bad news. (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, he has his little thing with those rocks that he kind of, his little magic tricks, those stones that he can turn into whatever. So of course he, you know, produces the key for Floyd, which I noticed there was a little RF in the key, which was really cool. I thought that was fun. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But then, uh, you know, I don't know if either of you have more stuff to talk about with on Floyd. I don't have a whole lot, but. You know, he does let him out, and it's kind of based on this, like, because you you promise, you know, if I let you out, I want your word that you will be loyal to me no matter what. You don't question any, you know, any orders I give you. And he's even going as far as saying, like, and you don't fall asleep during guard duty. Like, he's already setting up this whole, like, 2nd in command job for this guy when Floyd's not even in his right mental state right now because he's been, like, locked in there for at least a week, and he doesn't even know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he's completely delirious at this point.
3: Which is a good time to take advantage of somebody mentally is when they're, well,
2: there's nothing and, and there. That's, and that's yeah. actually to my point, because like I said, I have Randall Flagg in my top three as well, yeah. and I'll just, I'll just switch it to my number two and, and just continue on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, me too. Um, you know, it, when we... when we This is the first official meeting of Randall Flagg,
5: mm-hmm. as in,
2: we didn't really hear him. Yeah. We don't, he doesn't talk at all in the first episode. Yes. We see right. him, but we're not introduced to him. This is our first introduction to him, and... It's 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 no it's fun to notice how much we said last week the difference between the 94 Randall flag and this 94 flag is charm. Yeah. Like he Skarsgard's version is very charming, and he is definitely that when he is talking to Lloyd. Oh, yeah. He's very subdued in his voice, he's very calming in his voice, but at the same time he is talking to Lloyd at his lowest point in life. Mm-hmm. He is his weakest he has ever been. He is literally taking a bite out of his cellmate's <laughs> leg yeah. to yes. survive. <laughs> that whole interaction is hysterical, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like, well, that wasn't me. That must have been somebody else. Him denying <laughs> it is, is so fun to listen to. Yeah. But, you know, to, just to know that Randall Flagg is so evil that he just comes across as charming and he knows when you're at your weakest. He could have come to Lloyd at any point over the time that he was stuck in there and he was alone yeah. to let him out. But he specifically waited until Lloyd was at his weakest. Yes. Yep. Like, you know, like he was on the verge of death from starvation. And that was when he got him because he knew it wasn't going to take as much charm. But he could charm him very easily right then and there. Definitely. Oh,
1: absolutely. Because not everyone that he tries to bring to his side is going to be in the same state of mind necessarily, you know, like, like Lloyd was. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he's a lot more vulnerable and probably would have agreed to most everything had Randall Flagg presented himself in a more evil and sinister way. Yeah. You know, he probably would have agreed to just about anything, no matter who, what what form or or what he looked like or how menacing he was because he was so desperate to get out.
3: Yeah. Or even before Um, that, I think just the character of Lloyd himself is a follower. He, he puts on a, like a face that like, Oh yeah. You know, he's a genuine desperado. At least he's pretending to be. But I mean, even when that like robbery goes wrong, he's following in the footsteps of that other guy. And when things go South, he immediately starts panicking. Like, yeah. yeah, he's good at putting on a face. So, yeah. So like you were saying, I think, you know, he, he didn't have to wait till he was at that mm-hmm. weakest point because Lloyd Henry was probably a very easy target to start with anyway.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm thinking probably a little weak minded, maybe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. And 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 further to your point too, Pake, when you talked about the sewer scene with Larry and the crow, um, you did notice that they're actually Randall Flagg speaks to Larry in that scene. I don't know if you picked up on it or not. Um, where, right before that crow attacks him, you hear Flag's voice say, "Why don't you come see me, Larry?" And okay, then the crow yeah. attacks him. Mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah. like, that's <laughs> very easily. It, it could be a hallucination, mm-hmm. or it could be an actual crow attacking. Yeah, because he he's had the dreams where so, the crow's not yeah. there. Yeah,
3: yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, but. <laughs>
2: I mean, you know, But just to further my point for my, for my number two about Randall Flagg and his charm, the, the scary thing about that is that we know if you've ever read any other Stephen King novel where Randall Flagg appears in other forms mm-hmm. or by other names, or you've watched the 94 miniseries or even read the novel, the scary part about Alexander Skarsgård's portrayal of Randall Flagg is it almost makes him likable. Yeah. And that's scary because we know how evil he is. Which he is not a character (laughs) that is meant to be liked. Yeah. Definitely not. And
3: it's going to make sense, I think, a lot more in this to see the kind of people that he manages to amass as his army and his team because that extra level of charm. And so that kind of goes to one last point I did have about him, which is like a little thing, but something that, I mean, we all knew as knowing the story kind of beforehand. But this is kind of one of those things for people who this might be your first, you know, dive into the stand. Maybe you didn't pick up on it. Mm-hmm. So uh Nadine is wearing a necklace with that same stone on it that he gives yes. gives to Lloyd. So at some point and we will get there between what we've seen in the flashbacks and now between you know New York and Boulder whatever Flag has gotten to Nadine and she's kind of an inside person for him there in Boulder. Yep.
1: And I'm well, interested to see that too cuz I uh, because I, I think they held back some of Nadine's story and backstory uh, with like what has went on between her and Randall Flagg because they kind of combined the characters of Rita and Nadine in the 94 version. I'm sure that was fleshed out more in the book. I'm sure more people are still screaming at me. Read the Um, (laughs) back. But uh, I'm interested to, you know, that and hopeful, I guess uh, that they do explore that a little bit more. I want to see how long has she had that? When did she get it? And, you know, I, I think there's a lot to tell there, and I'm excited to yeah. kind of get to that.
2: Well, to anybody who's read the novel, and again, this is me doing my comparison research from book to novel, um, one of the things I, interesting lear- things I learned about Nadine's character that I didn't know from the 94 miniseries because they completely scrape it away is Nadine is a virgin. She is still a virgin at this point. Really? Because she was told... By some oh. force that she was supposed to keep herself You're like right. clean mm-hmm. until uh, for for a later time
1: I remember reading that somewhere that there was uh, and I don't she not say anything or not she, she was actually spoilers.
2: told through a Ouija board in college to save herself mm-hmm. which comes into play later because she sees the planchette game right yeah. later, which is a Ouija board yeah. in, in a sense mm-hmm. so. We, we're they're already hinting at now how she's going to be communicating with Randall Flagg. yeah and you're right she does have the stone that now makes three people with that stone because if I'm correct, I think Harold has one by the end of episode one did he or, or am I wrong about that you could be right I'm just it's, I'm not
3: remembering you could i be think, right. i don't remember.
2: I think Harold had one by the end of episode one
1: you''re, you're- you could be right. I yeah. honestly don't remember. I'd have to go back and watch. Same
2: here. Because the stone wasn't new to me when we saw them give it to Lloyd because I had already seen it. They the show it in before. the credits at the end. I think they show
1: it. yeah. I don't remember if he takes it, or. but I, th- I feel like we see it. I feel like I'm remembering something where uh, in one of uh, Harold's dreams or visions, whatever you want to call them, that uh, – you don't really. We don't see Randall that much. We don't really see him speak. We just see quick visions of him, or we might see his boot, we might see a hand, or something, or his silhouette. I thought we saw a hand. Reach I think out. I've, I think the hand
2: has the stone in it and offers it to Harold, but we never see Harold take it. Yeah. Right, it's, it's, I, that's that what might I'm be laughing. how it plays out. Okay. Yeah. It's only been a week and we already yeah, I know. Right? This, but There's right.
1: so much. <laughs> I've to to already take in. just moved on. <laughs> I've moved on to episode two and I'm focused on that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. My memory's uh, yeah, my memory's <laughs> done gone after that. Um that, and I, that I was great.
2: I, I love too that just like last week when we when we meet Randall Flagg for the first time and we see him in the back of the car and it goes into the closing credits to Billy Joel's The Stranger, mm-hmm. which kind of went along with that scene. I love how this week did the same thing, but in a more playful way, yeah. because he hands Lloyd the key and then the song that plays during the credits is Brand New Key, mm-hmm. which is more about a pair of roller skates. But okay. still, yes,
1: it's, it's, skate it's out. still it's fun little, that they fun did it. Yeah. 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 Fun, yeah. Fun, yeah. Fun little song. Well, they they're doing some interesting things with, with, with the music. I mean, they had Weezer playing during the, uh, I the shootout. I love that so cool. <laughs> much. Convenience store, like what? Yeah. You can't have Island here? in the Sun
3: come on and me not going hip hip with it just every time. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I know I was like doing a little dance as I'm watching. Like yeah, okay, this is. This
3: Even is as people are bleeding out, out on the floor, I'm sitting there just kind of bobbing in my chair. Hip. hip. I
1: know, poor guy's <laughs> dripping in blood. Yeah, no, no, no big deal there. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Um, so I kind of tied my number two into Pake's number two. Uh, Rima, that takes us to your number two.
1: Well, I'm going to just swap my number one and number two as well, because uh, <laughs> Randall Flagg was my number one. Okay. Um, I Should
2: have known this week it was going to be your number one.
1: Look, guys, I hate to be predictable, <laughs> But that's, yeah, that's yeah. totally where I'm at. Um, well, I was excited because I was like waiting. We didn't, we didn't get a whole lot happening there that first episode. We just got teased. Uh, and then, you know, we kind of got teased a little bit more, a little bit more of him, but really finally got some dialogue with him. And I was just, just I've been chomping at the bit, waiting to see Alexander Skarsgård in all the full glory of playing Randall Flagg. And he did not disappoint. You know, it was awesome when he finally presented himself fully. Um, to Lloyd, as he's offering, you know, up his freedom in exchange for his loyalty and his servitude. Um, Paik, you mentioned, you know, the, the state of mind that he's in, you know, and very likely to agree to pretty much anything, you know, that he says. Um, and and Randall Flagg does charm him. You know, he 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 talks to him and gets to his level. And, um, and I don't know that he needed to. I think Lloyd would have been like, I don't care if you're, if you're, you know, if, if he'd showed up in like, uh, like a full, uh, devil's horns and, mm-hmm. you know, evil looking face, I think he still probably would have been like, I'll do whatever you say. Get <laughs> me the hell out of here. Yeah. But he went ahead and, and, and he, he played himself. I feel like that's pretty much who Randall Flagg really kind of is. And I think Alexander Skarsgard plays him to perfection. And I realize my opinion may not count for much <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> but I truly, truly just admire oh. how well he, because if you, again, I'm going to fall back to true blood. If you watch him in true blood and as Eric Northman, he plays him, uh, very similar. Now they're not the same characters, but you know, kind of similarly. And, you know, I, I, I think he can play this cool and sinister character kind of laced with evil to perfection. Alexander Skarsgård is very good at that. And I think what's interesting is, you know, this, this book is, I think kind of, shows this battle that we have between the worst parts of ourselves and the best parts of ourselves. And Alexander Skarsgård, what makes him so great at this is because he's so incredibly charming and easygoing that he doesn't feel put on. It's, he has a way of like carrying himself and speaking and interacting that makes it really natural and easy. Um, Because I mean, if he was just a monster and it was clear everyone that he was a monster it wouldn't be very interesting yeah and it would be really boring i think and no one would watch it or you know watch the show or care because that's that's really not how life is right and i feel like you know because he's able to kind of play it this way and get it down to a level and you know lean into someone's good parts and bad parts you know like he tells lloyd you know hey this is our time for guys like us right you know he's like i'm just like you and I feel like that's how he's going to work. That's how Alexander Skarsgård is going to play Randall Flagg, and I think mm-hmm. he's doing it absolutely beautifully. I think whatever he's tuned in, you know, to, to tap into this character, I think he's doing it perfectly, and he's, um, I think, just going to be great. The rest is the rest of this, um, <laughs> season. I'm excited. Yeah. So
2: It'll be fun to
3: watch. I'll
1: I'll, I'll stop there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I love too that he the le- the very last line we hear in this episode is. I believe this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Which again is just like so it's so charming Mm -hmm. just to hear those words like whether even for the most evil man but you brought up another good point too in that like he wasn't he didn't come across as a monster he came across as himself and just this charming guy Mm -hmm. we do know both from the novel and the 94 miniseries that he does change forms into like a devilish character. He does. And I'm wondering if we're going to see Alexander Skarsgård go through that transformation at any point in this miniseries. Mm -hmm. to see him actually with horns yeah Yeah. like morph
4: yeah yeah.
3: if they do i hope they hold it off until like the very end like just give him a snapping point to like let it go
2: (laughs) it happens it happens when he takes nadine's virginity yeah because she sleeps with his true form Mm -hmm. so i don't know if it is something that can be held off into the end Yeah, unless him taking her virginity is something just hinted at and not shown Mm -hmm. But I mean, we did get a big Larry and Rita sex scene or, or dessert as Pate called it (laughs) um, in this episode. So I don't know if it's something they would keep off screen. It's so important to the story. Yeah. I think they're, they're going to show it.
1: I think they need to, because it is is important. Yeah. And, and I love that this shows on CBS all access. Clearly they're able to, to kind of go there with violence, go there with the gore, with the cursing. Um, If, if there's a sex scene that's you know not gratuitous but if it is important to the story you know then or if it you know ha- is part of the story or helps tell a character story or moves it forward i'm i'm okay with that you know it doesn't have to be just sex on the screen all the time not that hard yeah. up but um <laughs> you know <laughs> But it's, um, but I'm glad that the show is there because I feel like, you know, with Stephen King, you know, his books um, go to some dark places, some violent places, um, and can be also also sexual in nature. So I'm glad that it feels like this is a good, good platform for this show to land. So I'm excited. And I wasn't sure
3: what it was going to be like, because this is my first like foray into CBS All Access, because I'll be one to admit, like, I don't, I don't watch Star Trek stuff. So Discovery and Picard and stuff Discovery. I don't know anything about yeah. so this is the first show I've seen on All Access and I wasn't sure what Me their too. parameters were so it's good to I see I wasn't sure either they, yeah they also are, are like a platform and a service that they're like yeah whatever creative stuff you want to throw on that's what you can do and I do like I that I was we're,
1: excited yeah
2: we're gonna have Larry say fuck like 70 times yeah.
3: in the sewer
1: is
2: that okay <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Just go for it. Yeah,
1: let's just do it. Let's just do it.
2: Yeah. Only seventy? Bump it up to seventy-five. We'll yeah,
1: we're good. We can go there. We, we've got, we've got all the allowances.
2: Seventy's not enough. Keep going.
1: You know, so, well, being in that damn sewer, I probably would have dropped way more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gosh, that I was. Not I would have cool. dropped my
2: bowels. Yeah,
1: that too. Just I add to peed myself. <laughs> Yeah, I would have done added to that water situation. No problem. Ugh. I
2: wouldn't have just been swimming in everybody else's
1: <laughs> well and, I
2: would have been swimming in my own too. I
1: mean, it leads to a good point. You know, when he was talking to – and this is just totally a side note about that – is, you know, when he's talking to Reed about, you know, she, when she gets up and she's like, oh, the smell. And he's like, yeah, and she's going to get worse. And, you know – Uh, When he's talking about, you know, rats follow death and, you know, once they come up out and, you know, they're going to be surrounded by rats and it's going to be a huge problem and they're not going to, they're not going to go anywhere. They're not going to go back out to the sewers. They're just going to be out on the streets and they're going to get into everything. They could get into any kind of food supply or anything that that could be out there and, and they carry disease. It could be things that, I mean, they might've been immune to this plague or this, this flu or this disease, but they may not be immune to everything. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're down there in the sewer. I mean, hello, hepatitis, um, and, you know, <laughs> all these other things. I'm like, there's just no way. Like, we, we managed to survive this plague. Let's not, you know, try and risk ourselves <laughs> to
2: get <laughs> something
1: else. Well, one of the things I'm really
2: interested in learning when I actually do dive into the novel is the fact that one of the things I read about this episode is that they introduce you earlier on in this episode to the fact that Larry is immune, I was always under the impression that everybody who survived was somebody who was immune to this disease, but apparently mm-hmm. that's not the case. There are some people who just happen to survive by not catching it, while others are immune. Stu Redman is immune, yeah. Larry is immune, but just, be- that just because they're immune doesn't mean everybody is.
1: That's interesting, because it seems like it has such a... Um high what do they call it like transmission rate yeah yeah you'd have to be
3: somebody who just like lives as a hermit out in the sticks like to avoid it you'd think
1: well you figure
2: the yankee yanker was in the middle of a hospital getting surgery done right and there are people in that hospital with captain trips Mm -hmm. yeah how he would have to be somebody in my impression in my impression he would have to be somebody who's immune right yeah i would think so yeah because how could you be in a hospital and not get it exactly with that high of a transmission rate yeah So, but apparently in the book, not everybody is immune. Some people are just simply survivors. It was but like also like how quick it kills people and the high mortality rate. You would think,
3: I guess if you are somebody who's lucky enough to not be immune, but like was, you know, on your own somewhere, it would wipe itself out with how fast it killed everybody. And then if you came in after the fact, well, nobody else has it to transmit it to you.
1: Right, yeah. yeah, if you are in complete isolation, if you live more out in a rural area or something, um, My lights went that auto. would make sense.
2: I was going to say, it was so funny how we we're just talking about that, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Pake's video just went completely dark, as if he was in isolation. <laughs> he was separating himself are from you, Captain are, Trips. Are you good
1: over there, buddy? Somebody, are you good?
2: <laughs> somebody turned the lights out on me, so I'm going to
3: go turn them back on <laughs> for a second.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
2: yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to... Just to, to, when I read the novel, to see how that works, about how some people are immune and other people just don't have, and some people are, are merely survivors.
1: Did they b- mention that in the 94 version? Because I, I don't like think I, they did. Because I just I assumed th- everyone was immune. So again, there's my <laughs> lack of book knowledge, but...
2: Well, that's how I was too. I was just automatically under the impression that anybody who we saw survived was somebody who was immune from this virus.
1: Right.
2: So that's why like, I'm really interested now in reading the book. And I know everybody at home listening is like, read the damn book already. I know.
1: They're probably, <laughs> and they're I'm probably going to. throwing it right now at us. Uh, Here, happens. I have a copy. Let for me you to send read. it to you. I will get it, it to already. you on Kindle.
2: Yeah, I have it already. I will read it, I promise. I've already I've already made the, the commitment that when this is over I will be diving into the novel.
1: I will as well. It might take me ten years, but I'll get to it. Get or to forty-seven
2: it. hours of an audiobook.
1: Exactly. So. Yeah, I don't ha- I don't have the attention span for that, I'll admit it. Um, all
2: right. Let's dive into our number
3: one. Let's all get right. to
1: the number one. <laughs> Paik, what's your number one?
3: My number one was Larry Underwood, so we've pretty much already covered that, so I'm good oh. <laughs> oh.
2: nothing additional to add to it now we then,
3: covered or? all of my notes I had on him
2: which is awesome
1: awesome makes it easy, yeah, makes it easy. On. moving <laughs> on Ben what's your number, number one
2: <laughs> so my number one and I'll try and make this as quick as possible because we did touch on some of it a little bit um, I have Rockstar versus Rockstar And it made me realize one of the reasons – one of the things the writers are doing with this nonlinear layout where they're introducing us to two main characters at a time and then a couple of supporting characters. So Mm -hmm. last week we got Stu and we got Harold with Franny as a supporting character. They didn't focus on her as much, but they did give us some of her backstory Mm -hmm. when they did it. This week we got Larry and we got Lloyd with Rita being a side character as well as um, we got an introduction to – uh Nick Andros, we got an introduction to uh to Ray Bretner, not Ralph Bretner, mm-hmm. so they did a gender swap with that character this time around um and we got a little bit more of Mother Abigail. But when you look at the the two characters that they're spotlighting, you know, we had Stu and we had Harold last week, which are you know interesting characters in the least. I don't know why they chose those two this week. The rock star versus rock star kind of comes into play because we have two two characters who are lying about who they are.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: We have we have Larry who is pretending to be this successful musician when he's not. He's literally he's a drug addict. He's horrible to women, as we mentioned before. He's already sold. He's already a sellout because he sold his song to a perfume company rather than try and build a success off of one individual single. And then we have Lloyd, who is at one point even called a rock star. Yeah. But he's taking credit. (laughs) He's (laughs) taking credit for something that he didn't even do. Yeah, Yeah. You know, they even say, like, you knocked the virus to page two because he's being called a cop killer. Mm -hmm. He didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Right. You know, he didn't pokerize anybody or whatever. The interesting phrase. Yeah. Well, the character's name is Poke. Okay. So that's why he says pokerize. Yeah. Um, but you have two characters who are claiming to be rock stars for something neither one of them did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, which I thought was a great comparison as to why they chose these two characters for this episode to kind of make them the focus because they do have something in common.
3: Yeah.
1: That's a good point.
2: That's really all I had on that. I just thought that was a great comparison and why they use those two characters. I like it.
1: (laughs) Well, and to kind of talk about the nonlinear thing, just in in my number one, um, again, it's going to be short and sweet. I'm still seeing some folks that are still not happy about this nonlinear format that they've chosen um, to, to use. And... I know that they're leaving out some of what happened during the pandemic. Um, and I'm curious what you guys think, but, you know, I, l- I like to see what happens after and, and how it raises those questions. And, and, you know, the three of us are fans of the walking dead. And I know many, many mm-hmm. people are. And if, if you're familiar with the walking dead, you know, you, you have to understand and know, and especially if you've been a long time fan is it's not about the walkers it's not about the zombies it's about the people and and how mm-hmm. they go on and survive in this world after after what happens has happened and i feel like that's kind of what we're getting a little bit with the same with, with the stand here in this series is what do we do when society collapses do we start it back up the way it was do we do something different and I mean, I find that part interesting. It's like, how, how would we rebuild and come together? You know, it's like the, the guy who was going to go to Yankee stadium. He's like, Hey man, we're free now. We don't have to live by society's constraints anymore. And it's like, oh, you're right. You know, we don't, you know, I, I'm not saying that you can just do whatever you want to do. Like there's no rules and you can, it's like the purge where you can go out and, you know, just, you know, which is, I think what those one guys were almost doing, um, that confronted, uh, Rita and, and Larry, in uh, manhattan but you know what what would you do what what laws would you put into place and and how would you rebuild society i think i find that part almost more interesting i don't know that i need to see any more snot um, <laughs> and to see all of that and i and i know that there are some book readers that have issue with that that they felt that that was what this this long build-up you know and then i guess it was a big chunk of the first part of the book was you know the pandemic and everything that happened and 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 then we get in into the rest of that, so I don't know, I'm okay with the non nonlinear format, how we're kind of seeing some bits and pieces of it. Um, I think they did a good job in this episode where they kind of fast tracked it like it moved really fast. it moved really fast, especially you could see in New York where the you know his 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 crowd was kind of thin there at the bar, and then all of a sudden he gets a phone call about his mom, and the hospitals are overrun. And then all of a sudden there's bodies piling up and the next thing you know, everyone's dead kind of, I think, was a good demonstration of how quickly it moves. So I feel like I, you know, I'm okay with that, but I'm curious what what you guys think about that. And if you find, you know, if you're okay with how they're, you know, kind of instead of going through so much of the story and focusing a lot about, you know, the pandemic from start to finish um, and kind of seeing what happens after.
2: Well, I mean, to the people that are upset that we're not seeing more about what's happening during the pandemic, we're only in episode two. Mm -hmm. we're, We're going to see more of how this pandemic has affected all of these people, not just affected but how they handled Doring? I mean, mm-hmm. we saw Stu right. during the pandemic. We saw Larry during the pandemic. We're going to get more of those pieces filled in as we go. I think the problem isn't the fact that we're not that people are upset we're not seeing it. I think people are upset we're not seeing it fast enough. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I think
2: they're just being impatient. Yeah. And they want to know, because they're, they're not used to a nonlinear format. They want to know everything in the order that it happens. They want to know what happened to these, who were these people before the pandemic? what happened to them during the pandemic and then what happens to them afterwards, because that's how they read it in the novel. So I think we're going to get all those pieces. They're just giving us different pieces of the puzzle at different times. And I'm okay with it. I agree.
3: Because yeah, I'm fully on board with that because I mean, yeah, as much as we love great, gross special effects and, and, you know, (laughs) makeup jobs and stuff like that. That's not why I watch TV shows. I watch it for the characters and the character arcs and the stories they're telling within those characters. And so, yeah, it is great to get a bunch of gore and disgusting stuff that looks really cool on yeah. screen. But at the same time, like, if that's all we got, what kind of show is this? Like, you know, you're not getting that's what I want to watch to see okay, who are these people? Yeah. Who are they before? How has this affected them? And wh- who do they become? That's what I want to know. And yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: There's there's still so much more story to tell, even with characters we've already met. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we still have to get how Larry and Nadine came together. We still haven't met Ray yet, and we have to get to the whole point about how stew and ray come to meet each other during all this we have to get to the point we have to get to the point where stew meets franny and harold like there's so much more to this story that still needs to come so we're going to get all that stuff that they want people just have to be patient for it yes yeah this is a this is a more character developing way to tell the story Mm -hmm. i agree and and uh, I love, like you, Paik, I love character development when it comes to story. That's why I watch television. Yes. That's why I watch movies. So this whole format and getting the character development that we're getting makes me really intrigued and is keeping me watching every week. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. Yep. So. Well, that's all that I had for my number one. Ooh. So, Paik, did you have any notes? I have a
3: bunch. And I'm going to try to go through them. Oh going to try to do them really quick. Um, <laughs> Let's see, because I've covered some of them. Other some of them. Uh, one that I had a character that we didn't really talk about is a character of Joe. And Ooh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um. The first thing that I have, and I don't have a lot for each thing, but I said, you know, there's an interesting difference here. At least from the '94 miniseries, is when we are introduced to the character of Joe. He is with Nadine.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, apparently she was a teacher, and she's the one that found him. Not who was it? Was it Lucy in the Lucy? Yeah. yeah. And so we haven't even seen her yet at all, or if we will see her. I'm trying to remember. I've gone through the cast listing. I don't remember if I've seen that or not. But uh, yeah, the fact that-
2: She she may have been the woman sitting next to Larry in the car. Okay. When the they arrived lady. at Boulder Free Zone. Okay. Hmm. So we don't know yet because you're right. We haven't yeah. met her yet. Mm-hmm. But
3: it's, but Nadine even says that she's the one that found him sitting on the side of the road. And right. which is how it is in the yeah, book and, yeah, and gave think, him. Yeah, OK, so that's good to know that they're they're actually following the book more than the series at that point. But, mm-hmm. you know, gives him the name Joe, because that's the name she gave all of her like male students that she
2: couldn't think of their name. <laughs> 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 Joe is I, I dove into Joe, a.k.a. Leo. OK, Um which is his real name. He is a very. Important character to this book. That's what I've That's heard. The that they just overlooked the 94 everything. Ninety four miniseries yeah. just overlooked it completely.
1: I thought yeah. they did. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I, I, think I haven't. It's interesting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I
3: haven't like looked into that stuff. But yeah, I've heard that he is a lot more important, and we kind of—I don't say we kind of see it, but you know, in the little bit of like scenes. Oh no, we, we kind yeah, of the, see in it. the scenes that we get with Joe here. I mean, first, like you know, you know, he doesn't speak, and Franny writes it up to maybe he's you know has autism although it could just be trauma or whatever he's been through. And she tries Mm -hmm. signing to him and she, you know, mentions that her late brother was deaf, which I do remember the photo that she looked at in the first episode. I did see the like cochlear implant over his ear. So I was like, oh yeah, that was, but uh, you know, he doesn't respond to that really. And so there's something with him. And so we still don't know exactly what that is, but the moment that I really pinpoint where I'm like, there is something more special about this kid is when larry goes to meet harold and takes him with him Mm -hmm. and larry's talking to harold about oh yeah we followed the spray paint you know the signs that you left you and franny and you know he seems very warm to him you know he's like you know i'll come back over here some other time and we'll get drinks and we'll talk about our backstories and we'll do whatever and joe is not having it like he very clearly does not trust harold he kind of puts distance more and more between he turns his back to him kind of walks down the stoop a little bit he's like i don't want anything to do with this guy and you yeah, can you kind of pick that all. you kind of pick up that Joe well, might have an ability to really read on people because he's got a good sense about him.
2: Mm-hmm. In the book, in that particular scene, the first time Joe meets Harold, Joe sees Harold when Harold smiles. He sees him with worms behind his behind his interesting. Teeth. So he sees this inner person that harold is yeah. because he does in fact have a kind of pre pre cognition that's cool about yeah in 94 joe
3: was just this random kid that stood there and didn't talk he was and just, a, was kid. It. Yeah, so just it's, a kid <laughs> so it's good that we'll get more hopefully you know and he's, like he's high that. up on the cast list so hopefully we'll get a lot
2: more with this kid I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah. I'm hoping we get
1: more of I like that they're sticking a little bit. I mean, I know that there, there, there are some obvious changes, uh, but I do like that it seems like they are sign, trying <laughs> to stay fairly true to some of the characters and some of the storylines there. Yeah. Um, and I
3: have, let's see, two other things. Uh, Nadine. Yeah. I, I have some notes about my feelings about Amber Heard, but I'm just not even going to go there because it's not necessary. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: we, we've discussed it before. Yes. I all,
3: think, I, yeah. all I yeah. will say is if we're talking about the character of Nadine through this series – I will do my best to only focus on the character and the story being told about her
2: and ignore the actress behind it, and that will be it. I mean that's, uh, that's we just have I'm to at. hope that when it comes we just have to hope when it comes to this comes to Nadine that the writers don't shit the bed that's oh God, God. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah
4: no, that's
1: yeah I, I'm doing the same sorry. I will keep I will I'm keep my personal on... feelings
3: to myself the best i yes. can um and then the other thing you did mention is the character of Ray Brentner as opposed to Ralph Brettner in in the book and the 94 miniseries. And so I did want to talk about, I've seen something, it kind of does maybe a disservice not to talk about it. We don't have to go too deep into it. But there's mm-hmm. been some uh, controversy and discussion about this show. There mm-hmm. was like a whole, even like a little boycott situation stuff. And a lot of it had to do with the casting of Nick Andros, being yes, that they gave the, p- they gave the and... role to somebody who is not deaf. Mm-hmm. And so, I without getting to, you know, social situation, social issue, you know, discussion into this, I feel like they, you know, there was backlash there, and so I do want to say by looking at the rest of this cast and looking at how things have been done, like Larry Underwood and Ray Brittner, I want to give this show the benefit of the doubt that they are in fact they've shown that there is some thoughtful representation into what they're doing with their casting, and the situation with with the character of Nick could have been a totally just a missed – call that they totally screwed up on or who knows who they tried to audition, who they tried to cast. And maybe this person was just the best fit for the role. And I'm, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and cut them the slack on that because I don't think the same reason with Amber Heard. I mean, as much as I cannot stand her as a person, I'm not going to write this whole show off. Like some people do because of one casting choice or two casting choices, yeah. whatever, you know, that there's so many other like great actors and people who have put so much into this show and if those people aren't directly affecting the story that we're seeing, then it's not... I don't think there's a point to write the whole show off.
2: I I, I want to make a point about that too, and I'm, I'm with you on that, Paik. Like, I... Cancel, cancer, cancel culture mm-hmm. has become cancerous when it comes to certain things. I mean, yeah. when you have a character who's deaf, you don't always have to hire a deaf actor to play that part. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's best to just hire the person who's the best at that role. So I get people being upset that they didn't hire, you know, a, a deaf actor to play that role. Rob Lowe was not deaf when he played that role and he was Mm -hmm. fantastic at that role. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I get the whole like, well, why don't you hire a transgender actor to play a transgender character? Like, I get it. There should be more mm. representation. Representation for those matters, kind of people. and it's yes. very important. Yeah. I completely agree with that. But sometimes that just isn't always possible. Yeah. So, like you, I believe to give the benefit of the
1: doubt. I I agree with everything that you guys said. I believe in being inclusive, um, and um. There, you know, people are acting, and we don't always get, you know, if there's a, a character that is, uh, or um, a, a character that someone is playing that happens to be a paraplegic, they don't always get a paraplegic actor to play that role. Um, it is called acting, um, you know, and so while I agree with being inclusive, um, I do want to just say um, I think it kind of makes a little bit of sense in this instance in this particular role because there are sequences dream sequences um where nick speaks nick nick that was what can i was speak, gonna bring and up next here <laughs> yep. so i feel like you know let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt let's and i'm no. totally okay if people want to boycott i feel like you know what that is what's great no. about our country is we have the freedom to that if you feel like you don't want to watch the, sh- the show because of that then i'm okay with that i'm certainly not going to you know, besmirch anyone who chooses not to watch because of that. You, you, you're definitely, you know, there are, there are points to that. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think because of the circumstances, um, with this character that he can hear and he can speak in, in the dreams, um, then it just makes sense. And from what I read, this actor did intensive work. Mm -hmm. Um, I get it there. There are nuances, um, when you know you're playing an ac- or when you're an actor who's hearing and you're playing um, a character that happens to be deaf in signs, I get that. I get that there will be things that are missed. Um, but I feel like it seems like he's really put the work in to do the best possible job that he can to do the best that he can to portray a, a, a deaf character that, that cannot yeah. hear and cannot speak. So and, and I would like to give him a chance.
2: And it's very similar to Brad William Henke, who plays Tom Cullen. Who Tom Cullen is a mentally challenged character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brad William Henke, just like this guy who plays Nick Andrews, did extensive amounts of research to make sure he was portraying the character properly Mm -hmm. or somebody who is that way properly without insulting the way that person is. Yeah. So... Yeah, when it comes to Nick Andros, Rima, you make a good point. Nick Andros at certain t- times does speak and can hear. So it does make sense why they made the casting choice that they did. Yeah. And
3: so that's, the th- you know, not anything that we say is gospel and we can't tell you how to feel or not feel about of certain course. things. And so if anybody has anything that they wanted to, you know, rebut with or whatever, we are fully open. I'm speaking for Rima and Ben here. I'm, but, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, give I'm, us your, your thoughts and insight because I think, conversation's important, but...
1: I think yeah. it is important. Yeah, but that's the
3: last idea. note that I had after bringing everything yeah. down with that topic, but...
1: <laughs> no, I think, well... <laughs> I'll let I you mean, guys bring it up. We haven't gotten, <clears throat> you know, we only got to see Nick for, um, you know, just a few seconds here in this yeah. episode, and, and he is clearly, this character has been a big topic of conversation since even before the show, about a week or so before the show premiered, so it would be a disservice to not even bring it up in conversation, um, and, and like I said, I totally respect everyone's feelings, and I, I do believe in being inclusive and, and we need diversity and we need representation, um, in, in all roles like that. And, um, so I'm all for that certainly, but I think with this particular role, um, I'm going to give this guy a benefit of the doubt. And I'm, and I think it does make sense just based on, you know, what, what happens later and that he does, you know, I I think it will make some sense. So hopefully everyone will, will see that come through and, um, give this guy a shot.
2: Definitely. I agree. I agree.
1: Okay. Uh, is that the end of your notes, Pete? Yep.
2: That is. Sweet. What do you, you got, Ben? So I'm I'm going to hold off on the Easter eggs for now because <laughs> there aren't a lot of them, um, but I do have two that I want to bring up. Okay. Um, so short of the side of that, um, I thought Larry's gig felt a little too close to home. Um in that it was a super spreader event and it should have happened and shouldn't have happened to begin with. <laughs> no mask. Nobody was wearing. Yeah. No nobody was distancing. wearing a mask. Come on, Larry Underwood virtual concert. Why wasn't there that? <laughs> I, I, right. Exactly. It. It. The technology exists. Let's mm-hmm. let's get real. Um. One of the cool things I thought I thought about and I didn't pick up on it until my second viewing is there is a scene in the jail where. Lloyd is reaching out for the rat. He's trying to catch the rat. Mm -hmm. And there's another person in the prison who is still alive. Mm -hmm. And they're screaming mother. And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, shut up. I fucked your mother. Yeah. What if this (laughs) is somebody who was getting visions of Mother Abigail and calling out to her but couldn't get to her? Uh, That's
1: a possibility. This could be
2: somebody who Mother Abigail reached out to in a dream. And was never able to make it because yeah. this could be somebody who was wrongfully accused and locked up as an innocent man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible it's a good because that
2: does happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. it does. So, yeah,
2: I just that was something really cool that when I heard that, I'm like, I wonder if he's calling the mother Abigail.
3: Yeah. I didn't even think of that, but I, I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Um, the only other thing I have, uh, which I think was a missed opportunity, we didn't get any cameos in this episode,
4: no. uh,
2: you know, like we did J.K. Simmons and Brian Cranston last week, um, but they swapped. We didn't. We got references to Monster Shouter, but we didn't get him. Mm-hmm. That was the character that was played by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 94 yes. version it would have been a great opportunity for a cameo I know. yeah
1: that would have been great and, back.
2: and they didn't <laughs> use him no so yeah um even yankees even yankee yanker could have been not the actor that played that part was great like he mm-hmm. was you could tell he had a blast playing that character Sure did but it, again that was another opportunity for a cameo yeah, yeah. so it's a we bummer. don't always need a cameo every week but it's they're fun when we
1: go oh it's so yes. fun <laughs> yeah
2: um but short of my two easter eggs that's all i have Sweet. left on my notes what about you i like
1: it um i i just want to mention short note We're we're two episodes in and and while we've been introduced to to the women we we haven't i feel gotten a lot of story yet they're not fleshing them out i hope that's to come um and and it's even in stephen king's writing sometimes he doesn't always take too deep of a dive into the the female characters um So I don't know if they're just basing a lot of that off the source material or something. But I really hope that we get a little bit more point of view of the women. Um, You know, We've we've met Franny, but I feel like we still didn't get a lot of her. We got a lot of her through Harold's eyes and perspective. And we met Nadine, who's another big character. And I'm sure we're going to get her her story later, too. Um, But I I hope that we get more of that. I hope we get some more representation of the females and get more development. We
3: need an episode that has one of them leading it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Or
2: two of them.
1: You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: I mean, and there are still a couple more characters we have left to meet. We still have yeah. to meet Julie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Julie was, in essence, more of a side character anyway. So I don't mm-hmm. know if she's going to be a focus. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see if they if they go that route or find a way to go that route.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Just hoping to get a little bit more female Um you know, perspectives and point of view instead of, you know, through the eyes of a male character. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned Easter eggs, um, Ben. Um, so we talked about the sewer. Um, I, and, and, in relation to it also reminded me a little bit of Shawshank Redemption as well. Yeah. You know, I got that, that too.
2: Crawling through shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Crawl through a river of shit. Um, you mentioned poker eyes um, that was, um, also pulled from the book as well. Cause the character's nickname was poke, uh, the Yankee Yanker that was, uh, pulled from the book as well. Um, and then on the back of Lloyd's prison jumpsuit reads Carmody County corrections. Damn it. That was one of my <laughs> Easter eggs, <laughs> <laughs> which, um, I think is probably a reference to the nightmare religious zealot at the center of King's novella, the mist. Yeah. Right? Yep. Mother
2: Carmody from the mist. Yeah. Yep. That was one of my two Easter eggs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that I have. I didn't have a whole lot. So
2: what's One other one? <laughs> so my other Easter egg. But so before I mentioned my other Easter egg real quick, actually, there was I, I did forget one other note that I had. Um, when we meet Randall Flagg in the jail outside of Lloyd's cell, he, he starts singing the lyrics to a song. And the lyrics are, well, she brought me coffee. Well, she brought me tea. Hell, she brought me everything but the workhouse key. So I I looked into the significance of this, and I couldn't find it because there are, no lie, at least 10 songs that use those lyrics. Really? Hmm. Yes. There's a Harry Belafonte song that uses them. There's a Grateful Dead song that uses them. There are a number. So I don't know what the point of that is. If any of our listeners know Please let us know in feedback yeah. for next week's episode yeah. what it is, because I can't figure it out.
1: Love to hear it.
2: Um, one of the other, th- the, real quick, too, um, I, I also found out in research, Whoopi Goldberg playing Mother Abigail, she was actually supposed to play it in the 94 version. Yes. Um, but had the pass to do Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about uh, Marilyn Manson and how awesome it would be. <sighs> To get uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, which we've still yet to get in this mm-hmm. miniseries. Um, uh, unfortunately, he was set to contribute to both music uh, and play a role, but he had to be cut due to budgetary reasons. reasons. Mm. So he is not involved in this, in this series.
1: Damn. That would have been really cool Same. to get a Marilyn Manson version of Don't Fear the Reaper.
2: Yeah. So, which brings me to my last Easter egg. And I'm surprised nobody picked up on this because it is a repeat Easter egg. Okay, it's the say it's it is an Easter egg we got in episode one, um, and that is the number two seventeen is also in this episode. Oh, shit, um, when the prison guard is pushing the body when they remove the body from the cell mm-hmm. and they are pushing it past Harold or past Lloyd's cell, I'm watching. He passes cell 215 passes cell 216 and I'm like oh the next cell is is Lloyd's it has to be Lloyd's and the next cell he gets to is Lloyd's cell Lloyd is in Carmody correctional facility in cell 217 shit good catch
1: (laughs) i'm bad with numbers i'm more like better with like visual things um the words and if there's a word up i'm I'm usually gonna miss it um if there's numbers i'm gonna miss it but i'm I'm better with like visual things more than like a, a number it just totally goes by me every damn time so that's a good catch
2: you never yeah. actually see the number 217, but, but you, you just know, know in yeah. progression yeah. he is, because you see 215 and you see 216, well, it's, and then his is the next cell. It's
1: fun how they make it, like, not so obvious. Like, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be as fun to, like, have it in, you know, every episode, but to kind of, you know, hint at it or know that that's the next one is a lot more fun that way. Yeah.
2: And also, before anybody else's head explodes about something I was wrong about, <laughs> I mentioned earlier how we haven't gotten a story about St- how Stu meets Ray. Uh, it's not Ray. It's, um, it's uh, Ralph, oh, Ralph
1: right? No, no, not Ralph. Oh.
2: Um, I said Ray because it's the character that Ray Walston played oh. in the 94 version. You think Glenn um, Bateman?
3: It's no, Glenn. Thank you. It's Glenn. Oh yes, yeah.
4: yes.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. So I was I was incorrect. It's not Ray. It's gotcha. Glenn. So yes, we haven't you, seen
1: Blake. Glenn yet. We're, I'm excited for that. I'm ready for some Greg Kinnear.
2: Because Greg Kinnear, but just so nobody's head explodes yeah, about yeah. how wrong I was about a character, <laughs> I'm correcting myself now. Maybe
1: yeah. maybe we should start adding a segment to the podcast Corrections Corner, Corrections
2: uh, <laughs> Department. Yeah. <laughs> so that way we
1: can be like, okay, we got this wrong. We're so sorry. So and so pointed this out. Um, we apologize. And just
2: there aren't four Dark Tower novels. <laughs> there aren't eight with two short stories. All right, we're yep. we're getting it real now.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome any yeah. other notes or anything else I to add I'm with good. okay sweet how
2: about you pick i'm
3: good everybody
1: all? all right well i think that was a great great wrap on uh season or sorry episode two not season we're not done yet Wrap on the season Don't wow the they season. really did leave a lot out damn we got no story there um <laughs> yeah well that uh moves us to um one of my favorite parts of the podcast. And that is our lis- listener feedback. I'm really interested to see what some of our listeners thought, um, as we get to the second episode and to see, you know, who's digging it and who's not. So, um, Paik would you like to take that first one for me?
3: All right. This first one comes from Tony Douglas. They say so far, I don't hate it. The special effects are okay. The acting has been great. Everything is better than the 94 version, but I hope you both decide to read the book. The, de- the details it gives about the virus spreading and what happens to those who survive the virus but can't survive on their own is terrifying. The sewer scene is an understandable replacement for Lincoln Tunnel part in the book, but still not as good. No matter how good they do, I guess I'll always know the parts that aren't there or the parts they change. But I'm trying to appreciate it for what it is. Cool.
2: Committed to reading the book, Tony. I'm committed <laughs> to reading the book. Uh, Our next one comes from Maria Lawson. I am thoroughly impressed with the range of fucks, Larry got to say in the sewers. Pretty accurate for how I would have sounded if it were me. (laughs) Yeah, that goes for Mm -hmm. all of us. Uh Uh, I liked Heather Graham's Rita- and the slight manic energy she had when we first meet her in the park, but her death fell flat for me because I just wasn't invested in the character with the little time we spent with her. I really want to know more about Joe. He seemed to know Harold was off right away, so what else might he know? Glad we got to hear Flag do some talking this week. The ca- that casting was perfect.
1: I wholeheartedly so. agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and Rita, again, like, Rita's death fell flat because I don't think we've seen it yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that's just my, my impression.
1: I, I bet we'll get another flashback. At least I'm hoping. Cause I feel like that is kind of, kind of a pivotal moment for uh, Lloyd or sorry, um, Larry's character. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping, Agreed. hoping we'll get a little more. Jemma Hall says, I'm actually loving this series so far. I've not read the book or seen the miniseries, but once I heard Skarsgård was in it, I was sold. I was really frightened at a few points watching it. One, when the gang wanted Heather Graham and they had to run. Again, when Larry was in the sewers. It was like it for me, and especially when his mom floated towards him. Everyone floats down here. (laughs) And seeing a burning New York reminded me of Atlanta burning in The Walking Dead. This episode was very like Walking Dead, actually, and I thought how nice it is to sleep in a large store without walkers around trying to eat you. I had that same thought. Um, <laughs> she goes on. Other humans seem to be the threat quite quickly as they are on Walking Dead. I don't think food would be an issue for a while, though, as uh, 99 of the population are dead. So the store should be OK for a while. The prison scene also had me rooting for that murder kid. It also reminded me of Walking Dead as the prison looked a lot like Rick's prison and the bodies everywhere. And then my love shows up. Bloody love him excited for next week
2: yes. Stu Redman is the original Rick Grimes <laughs>
1: Said it for a while yep all right
3: this last one comes from Lindsay Schlicht. she says so much snot i'm not someone who's easily grossed out in fact i've often wondered what line would ha- what line would have to be crossed to finally be too much for me turns out maybe it's snot <laughs> I absolutely hate all the boogers in this show. I don't care how sick you are. Adults would not just be sitting there with that everywhere. Wipe your face. When the guard threw the snot at the prisoner, a la Silence of the Lambs, I almost quit right there. Ugh. I've decided I really like the nonlinear storytelling. I think it makes the story much more intriguing. Seeing current time Larry with Nadine makes you know something must go wrong with Rita. You see Nadine with the same rock that Randall gave the guy in prison, so we know she's already had her meeting with Randall. I enjoy the added suspense and mystery to the show. I won't mind if it continues in this way, and I don't find it too confusing. I'm struggling with Amber Heard as well. I never had any opinion of her until lately, and it's turning out to be hard to overlook. Johnny Depp better be the devil she's made him out to be, otherwise what she's done to ruin him is truly evil. I just hate being distracted by the real-life behavior of an actor in a show. I can't get past the Amber Heard of it all to see the character Nadine. Do you guys think the Kid Joe has some kind of power to see who people really are? He seems to know that Nadine and Harold are not
2: good people. I kind of spoiled that for people earlier. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> no. About that. Well,
1: I mean, eh. I mean, we've discussed before that even though we haven't read the books, that if we read something about the books, like if we do some research or talk about mm. it, then we're, you know, and and book readers and non book readers are could be listening to us. So, um, yeah, yeah. And it's all okay. I re-
2: and all I really did was describe what the book described that scene to be. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know um, what this show's really, going to do. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really spoil anything. That's just what we that's just what we know know from the the book book. we don't know
1: anything about the show yet and how they're going to handle it but i think you can say that yeah joe didn't pick up some good vibes from harold for sure yeah he seems to be intuitive it's you know just at least either picking up his energy um the vibes or whatever harold's given off so yeah yep yeah that was great feedback, guys. Thank you, everyone that um, left some feedback there on our Facebook page. We did get a couple of voice calls this week. Um, the first one that we have is from our good friend Greg.
5: Hello, Reba and Ben. This is Greg. So, episode two. Um, so, I'm just going to go ahead and get started. Um, I uh, I was actually really impressed um, with uh, the chemistry between Larry and Rita. Uh, I I actually really liked. Um, is it Hoven something, uh, and Heather Graham, I thought they really, uh, acted well together. Um, I was not impressed with Nadine. Maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the, her acting, maybe it's, I mean, it's definitely her eyebrows. They were really just couldn't stop staring at them. Um. But uh, it's just like the direction was—is that just, hey, act pensive, hmm, pensive? Yes, I'm just staring off into the distance. I get it. She's been through a lot, but I—it's—I just was not super impressed by it. Um, uh, I'm assuming that the big change to the book and the uh, and the the original miniseries was instead of going through the Lincoln Tunnel. Um, Larry is heading towards the GW bridge in New York um, I it didn't, didn't mind it, didn't bother me um, I thought that the, the scene down in the sewers where he watches the the rats come out of his mom's mouth bleh um, was, uh, I think that was just as effective uh, speaking of, of those moments there are a couple of those in this one um, when uh, you know, hey, hand me a tissue and the girl is just covered in phlegm Ugh. And uh and then when uh when Lloyd gets the face full of phlegm, uh that, that was very much sickening. Speaking of Lloyd, even he recognizes how pretty Alexander Skarsgard and Flagg are because he's a, a real pretty man. Um uh there was a lot of stuff in this one that i you know could talk about for minutes but uh or hours. Uh but uh look forward to the podcast and I'll cut it here. Bye.
1: Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Oh,
2: the eyebrows comment—that's hysterical.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I, I mean, like I said, I had but even before whatever you read about today about Amber Heard, I just had issue with her before. I just don't really find her very like good um, actress. She's a honestly, fine actress, but you know, she's a pretty face. So if that's what everyone wants, and that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I just thought even before, even if none of this other had things had happened and that I know about, it would just, um, um, I wouldn't know that I'd be that thrilled with her in that role. Just because I'm like, I just don't think she's got the acting chops, honestly. But again, I'm trying to, I'm going to open up and I'll just see what she yeah. does with the character. And, and maybe because I don't know book Nadine, maybe it won't, you know, maybe I'll be able yeah. to, um, you know, put that aside a little bit. So just trying to be open. Yeah.
3: Try, try to do our best to enjoy it. Yeah, and, and look at it for what it is. Because we don't want this to turn
2: into the Amber Heard is trash podcast. Because that's no fun
3: no, for anybody.
1: I'm not going to do You'll that. Never, I,
2: I I've made jokes, but I I've said it on earlier episodes. Um, I I can separate. Like, look, they she had a toxic relationship. It doesn't affect her acting for me. Um, she didn't molest any children or, like pretend a holocaust didn't exist so i'm i can separate her personally
1: from the acting i will do so. my best I, more just, power to I, just will, I just will not be <laughs> constantly trash talking her is yeah. all uh yeah. <laughs> yeah no one wants to I'm hear it you. and i don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to hear myself really and yeah. i don't want to give her any more um uh more time and attention than i think what she deserves
4: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> i'm with you yeah. <laughs> um,
1: anyway moving on thank you greg so yes. much for that voice message um, um we'll, we'll have to wait and see after he listens if he gives us any more crap if, he, if he's yeah. ready to give us any more um you know feedback about what we got wrong so that's okay greg we look forward to hearing it um we did get another voice message from our good friend steve
6: Hello, Ben and Christian. This is Steve, and this is for episode two of The Stand. And I wanted to say, first off, uh, Ben, thank you so much. Your explanation of this this storytelling device made a lot of sense to me last week, and, and so I'm appreciating it more. Even though there's a little bit of the tension taken out, knowing that they're, they're going to get too bolder, it still makes sense by the way, uh, the, the way you put it. So thank you so much for that. And so we have the introduction of Lloyd and Larry and, uh, Nadine and Rita. And of course we get Rita very shortly. I don't remember, uh, the book well enough to remember. And I know Ben, you said when you were looking at the comparison of the book in the, the, Original series that the Rita character was combined with an Nadine character, so that seems that seems to to uh, bear out here. And uh, so we'll, we'll get to see. I, I wonder if they're going to show us any of Nadine's dreams or her meetings with Flag, because yeah, I just wonder if we're going to get that that story or not, and whether we're going to see Larry's story. Obviously, they they're going to have to show us Larry's story after Rita's apparent suicide using his pills wow uh that might be what gets him clean i don't know uh and i love that we get the impression at least that joe seems to can tell that there's something off with harold okay can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one talk to you later
2: i'm so happy that i that i was able to that my explanation made sense to people Yes. so (laughs) that's awesome that makes me feel it makes me feel happy yeah I I did a Zoom applause while I was listening to that. I don't know if you either <laughs> one saw it. I applauded. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for both Steve and and uh, and Greg for the feedback as well for the voicemails. Yeah,
1: yeah. especially um, since I think Steve Steve had um, where, where he thought he wasn't going to be able to leave any feedback because he had uh, I think something going on, and uh, I thought, well, you know, we can't podcast unless you do, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you,
2: you said that to me you were like oh well we probably just didn't shouldn't do a show this week and steve can't leave his know, I just, I... steve leaving steve leaving voicemail for podcasts is just like it's a no-brainer because mm-hmm. he's so supportive he in everybody that he knows who does podcasts that he yeah. leaves feedback for him every week whether nice. he's seen it or not he will make oh, the yeah. effort to leave some kind of feedback and he leaves awesome.
3: feedback Absolutely. on run for your lives every week even yeah. when he states, I didn't watch this movie, but I love you guys, and I'm glad that you guys are doing another episode. It's like, okay, thanks, Steve. Yes. (laughs) The
1: the most supportive and most loyal hashtag we are, Steve. Um, Yeah. It's the best. And of course, I was teasing because I thought, you know, dude, do your thing, and whatever it is that you're doing, um, and you can't, you're unable to watch it and and not do it, that's fine. Um, But it is... Is part of the show and something that we enjoy. So, thank you, Greg and Steve, for those voice messages. Um, we encourage voice messages. To anyone, anytime that you you know want to speak instead of you know leaving um, voice. Um, or your feedback on Facebook or Twitter or however you decide to get a hold of us or through email. Um, I love hearing everyone's awesome voices and being able to put a voice with the name since I can't see your pretty faces. Um,
2: Agreed.
4: So
1: yeah, thank you everyone for taking the time to write to us. It, it does mean a lot and uh, it's certainly humbling um, having you guys along along with us. Yeah.
2: Um, before we, we wrap up all the, before we go into the the whole closing of everything, can I just make one quick point? Of course. Um I just wanna say that I know this is only my third episode doing this i'm I'm having a blast. This is the last time you're gonna hear our voices in twenty twenty um oh, so i just oh, yeah. I just wanna say i I hope everybody out there listening has and um, has a wonderful new year um especially safe yes. new year um you know with people that you're close to and in your own home hopefully mm-hmm. um but you know. Let's just keep our fingers crossed that 2021, um, even though it has leave it has reached the le- legal drinking age now. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, let's just hope that let's just keep our fingers crossed that 2021 is a better year for not just for ourselves but for everybody that we know. Yes.
1: I agree. Thanks, Ben, for bringing that up. That's a really good point. This is our, our last show of 2020. So um, yeah, I hope everyone has a happy and safe new year. Um, with the the folks that are close to you and let's hope um, for some positivity and light in 2021
2: cross every finger all your toes (laughs) your legs if you have to just (laughs) cross everything that you can (laughs) that 2021
1: is a better year yes absolutely all right. So next week, which will also happen to be next year, uh, we will be covering <laughs> the third episode uh, from the stand titled "Blank Pages."
2: Who do you think we're? Co- what characters do you think we're going to get introduced to?
1: I have something really mean to say, and I'm not going to say it. So um, I'll I'll see what <laughs> you guys have to say. I
2: I I think we're going to get. Um, I think we're gonna to get Tom Cullen, yeah, and Nick Andros along with Julie. Um I like that. on the on the opposite side of that, I also think we're gonna get Trash Can Man.
1: Ooh.
2: Ooh, I'm ready for that.
1: Ready for Trash Can um, Man. Yeah. So that
2: that's my prediction. Blank pages could mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. Well, it oh, could be Nick. Blank pages is, is Nick Nick external. Yeah. No, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking is you know, cause Going back to the 94 series, where Nick tries to write out a message to Tom since he can't speak. And when he shows in the message, Tom is like, I can't read. So I could see
2: a line being in there like, you know, I might as well be looking at blank pages because I don't know what you wrote on there. Yeah. You know. I So I think I'm right. I think it's going to be Tom right. and Nick yep. with, with Julie because blank pages is his, is his journal. Yep. Yeah. It's his notebook.
1: Yeah, i well I'm excited. And I think that makes sense since we got a, a very slight introduction to Nick this week that it would make sense to let's find out who he is um, yeah. next week and what his, his journey and his story is so far. Cool.
3: I'm down for that. Me as <laughs> even well even though I won't be on the podcast with you guys, I'll be listening.
2: Well <laughs> Well you'll be you'll be back
3: again yeah, in a couple episodes. You'll be back yeah.
1: and I'll you know, we're gonna ask you about that. You can still give your thoughts mm-hmm. um yes. as well. So absolutely. Well, we are excited for you to travel to the Boulder Free Zone with us. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strangetecast.
2: You can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash StrangerTecast. You can
3: email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com and also find us on the TV Time
2: app. You can find Strange Indeed at a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts, please. Yes,
1: please. Something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of great podcasts on Podcastica, um, be sure to check out um, House Podcastica's coverage of season two of The Mandalorian because... Wow. That was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that finale was probably one of the most amazing episodes of TV I've ever seen. Um, so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Uh, big fan. So uh, definitely wearing check them out. My baby
3: Yoda slash Grogu yeah. like hoodie right now.
1: Jake <laughs> y- is is paying tribute to Baby mm-hmm. Yoda and Grogu um, as we speak. Um, so yeah, check them out because um, they, they did a fantastic job covering it, and um, it's a, it's just a great show. Um, and then also um, because we love talking about podcasts around here um peg do you want to remind everyone where they can find you
3: absolutely uh me and daphne have our podcast called run for your lives and you can go to run for your to find links to all the social media and podcast players available everywhere but we cover monster movies disaster movies creature features all of that stuff and our latest episode that we put out was on Christmas Eve. We put out Krampus, it was our last holiday special of 2020. Nice, and that was a lot of fun. And then we will be back in the new year, pretty pretty early this next weekend. And we, uh, the next movie we are doing is Greenland, which came out pretty recently.
1: That's a we good had Gerard one. Gerard
3: Butler, and it was actually very very good. And we both loved that movie a lot. So it was fun to talk about.
1: Awesome. Well, it's it's yeah that's awesome um, talking about where when when I'm not keeping you so busy here on strange <laughs> indeed what what else keeps you busy and then of course you can be sure to check out Ben and his podcasts on next level dot com or the next level network the next level network I need to change that <laughs> Right? <laughs> it will take you to the same place right <laughs> they both take you to the same
2: exact website it's just the thenextlevelnetwork.com is just easier to remember yep. so, and it's shorter so they both take you to the same website they both still work it's yes fine. well thank
1: you for the correction
2: <laughs> <laughs> alright that's our show thank you everyone for listening
1: until next time I'm Kristen <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I'm Rima. And I'm Ben.
2: And I'm Paik.
1: And Gemma Hall is strange indeed.